0: Order using DoorDash today. Terms apply. It's never too early to start thinking about gifts. And you got to do a gift for somebody. Get them something. They want something. You get it. This season, Manscaped has some beautiful gifts to keep your little drummer boy out of the weeds. You know what I'm saying? It's the Lawnmower 4.0. It'll keep you trimmed up around your package. You can do it all by going to Manscaped.com slash Theo. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash T-H-E-O. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com slash Theo. Manscaped. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. We got new merch. Some new colorways uh, in the Be Good to Yourself collection. We've got hoodies in plum and moss. We've also got t-shirts in lilac moss and Blue Mist. I Hope you enjoy those. Those are good colors. Get that hitter and more at TheoVonStore.com. I'd also like to announce some new tour dates. I will be coming with the Return of the Rat Tour January 26th to Louisville, Kentucky. January 28th, Indianapolis. February 2nd, Shreveport, Louisiana. February 4th, Baton Rouge. March 24, Corpus Christi. March 25, Houston, Texas. April 26th, Phoenix, down there in the sun. May 13th, New York City. Uh, and June 1st, Austin, Texas. All those uh, shows go on sale Wednesday, November 16th at 10 a.m local time with the code Rat King. That's the pre-sale. Um you can get any ticket through Theovon.com slash T-O-U-R. Uh just make sure you go through there to get accurately priced seats. And uh thank you guys and we love you. Today's guest um I mean this guy he's got more voices in him than a dang schizophrenic, you know? He's a real uh you know, he just his impersonations and his ability to imagine and create at the same time. It's uh, it's a remarkable gift to the world, and um, and we've seen it through uh, his work on Saturday Night Live, uh, his countless films, um, Wayne's World, his new podcast, uh, Fly on the Wall with David Spade, and his new scripted podcast with Dex Carvey and Julian Matulich. Uh, We're going to learn a little bit about that today. Uh, I'm grateful to get to spend time with him, Mr. Dana Carvey.
1: Well, the worst thing you can do is say to yourself, I wonder if I'll get an election. Yeah. <laughs> the whole idea of sex is not thinking. And oh, all you impossible. have to do is concentrate on turning yourself on. Because they asked me that once on a podcast. They so go, how do you turn someone else so, turn someone on? You go, turn yourself on. Damn. True. focus on that.
0: Yeah, I think I I like yeah. I mean, I've had probably libido issues since I was probably, I would bet eight or nine months old. I don't know. Well, but you're okay.
1: <laughs>
2: well, that's yeah, like I don't
1: know. Well, when you don't have a
0: libido s- until you go through puberty, really, right? Okay.
1: I mean, did you, did you? Who has a libido when they're in diapers? I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> but you know,
0: I don't know. Yeah. I have to look at some pictures and see what you know. See what was going on back then. But yeah, I felt like. I don't know when that libido starts cranking up. Well, it's normally, I'll just play doctor,
1: uh, when puberty happens is when libido kicks up. I'm going to say that,
0: yeah. We had a party in our neighborhood. This guy, had he was an Elvis impersonator, right? Mm -hmm. And he had a party for his child whenever he went through puberty, I remember. And we went over Well, that's kind of like a bar mitzvah, kind of, right? I guess. I don't know. I'd never I'd never been to anything like that. I think it was like some part of, I don't know if it was like a church program or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, this fella got all pubescent or whatever. And so... They invited pubescent. everybody over there for cake or whatever. <laughs> when I
1: turned thirteen, my dad headbutt me and I saw stars.
0: <laughs> yeah, you think you're a man? <laughs>
1: <That's>
0: a, <laughs> but enough that's about a star the girl. Mitzvah, dude. That's the same thing, bro.
1: I tell everybody, Mike Myers always said the one movie movie had was a headbutt. And you always come up slow if you know there's going to be a fight. Like, what's up? We got to have peace. Boom! And yeah. then you really is efficient. Yeah. Didn't you have that in Louisiana? A headbutt? <laughs> headbutts. The sudden friendly mm-hmm. one. I don't know, Jed. We should get along. It, we can share the fishing hole. Boom! <laughs> 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 I don't know. Just, I don't know where you grew up. But I
0: know it's down in that area of the world. Yeah, I think if a good headbutt, what was a good move? A good headbutt. Oh, mace, yeah. I think was popular by us. Are you a little warm day now?
1: Well, no, I'm not. Well, this this is for Arctic weather, but I just want to keep the blue around me because it's hip. Yeah, it is. I'm it like in a little nice, cozy. Man. Yeah, I can't believe how good I look today. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Isn't well, it interesting? Some days you crack up, you wake up, and you're like, okay, today's going to be an okay looking day. <laughs> I know. Well, if I go back, I, I still think that a
1: man, Lorne Michael said once, there's something about a man in his 40s and a woman in their 20s. They're both at the peak of their power. So you're just coming into your peak sex symbol. You're successful. You're in your 40s. Now you go start to look at 20, 21, 22. I'll keep going. 23, 24. But yeah, you're in you're in your prime. But I remember someone saying that to me. I had this guy my age doing my hair on some kind of movie. And he goes, and I go. Oh, I'm 38, you know. And he goes, oh, you're in your prime. Oh, uh, that fucker was right. Was he? No, but I'm in my prime now. Yeah, hey, yeah, the prime. I guess. <laughs> Hi, I'm Johnny Positive.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the prime has to keep moving, huh? Uh, you have to keep the prime moving, don't you?
1: The yeah. If you if you didn't age or get older, then I, we'd be in some kind of hellish environment. You, you know? think? Yeah, we gotta check out. We gotta have an expiration date. It, it makes everything intense. What if you lived a million years? You just you just
0: like what would you do? <laughs> it's like I mean you would definitely probably call in, you know, you'd call you'd show up late to work more. I think. <laughs> you well, would. you know,
1: I've always wanted to play the saxophone cuz my parents I got picked to play the saxophone in fifth grade but it was $7 a month and oh. I kept coming to school. It's expensive, huh? And they said they said, "Where's your saxophone?" So I go, "I'll, I'll have it tomorrow." And then at one point I think my mom said, you know, we we can't afford the saxophone. So if I lived a million years, I would spend at least 10,000 years practicing the saxophone. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Bro, you'd be so good then.
1: (laughs) You'd be able to play for the king. Or I don't whatever. think I. No, I don't think that's my skill set. But I like to bang on things and strum things.
0: Did you know. have an uh, instrument as a child? Was there something you got kind of early that they gave you? Usually, a, a parent will give a child something. Give him a horn. Give him a little. Uh, you know, sometimes you see people. Right. Give them a Moroccan. That whatever. came later, but first, my
1: brother and I saw the Beach Boys. We had a band called the Surfers, so we had the clothes hamper, and you know, with a crayon we wrote the surfers he got a one string guitar he could play louis louis for a buck mm-hmm. and i would kick the clothes hamper for my kick drum and then i had a hardy boys book for my snare and the two drumsticks we stole from mickey hart of the grateful dead his oh, wow. store in the 1960s because we were huge juvenile delinquents yeah. and then i met him 30 years later and i didn't know if it was true he goes did you own a music store on laurel avenue in san carlos he goes yeah I go, I think I shoplifted there. And I handed him a 20. But I had that. And then I got a big bash snare drum in sixth grade.
0: Mm. Plastic.
1: But I had a muscly cousin who came down and just beat killed it in a day.
0: And why did he do it? <laughs> he just was angry that you were going to try no, to learn
1: it? he was one of those muscly kids. He's like a sixth grader. Jay Winters, and he just was muscly. Every yeah. you visited him, every time you'd visit him, he'd crouch like he was gonna wrestle you. Yeah. You know, one of those cousins. Like, yeah. I don't want to wrestle you, dude. So he broke the big bash. Oh. But do you do you remember what what toy blew your mind? Because I always ask people this. I this is what I say the big three mm-hmm. from five to twelve. All right. Movie or TV show where you went, holy shit. Toy you had where you went, holy shit, and then a bike where you felt like
0: an adventurer, the oh. bike, you know. Yeah, I think the bike was, uh, it had those spoke things, those little dinks, those little things whenever the wheel turned, like the yeah. little thing would slide down, the little, it had like a little, a little, you know, a thing that they used to count if you can't count real good and you slide it. Oh, okay, so it had like a little ticker thing? Yeah, yeah, something mm-hmm. like a little, like these little, can you pull it up, Zach? Abacus? No, can you pull up what I'm talking about? Just like the smoke. The because we would do a clothespin and playing cards
1: Ooh, to get the
0: motor set. That's cell. fire. You did that too, right? Yeah, they, they, yeah we got up, sold some garbage, a little deal, but it would tink, and then this hot girl sometimes would ride on it with me, you know? Or not that hot, but like, you know, she like lived near me, which was hot back then, you know?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Oh. Dude, if a girl lived far, and if you could throw something and hit a girl, damn, she was fine, wasn't she? <laughs> when uh, you were growing up? I would
1: say third grade, yeah. Did you ever drop your pencil? So you had to pick it up, and then you look behind you, and the girl you could see the girl's skirt. Oh, drop it so she would get it. No, drop it so you have an excuse to reach down and look back where oh, the girl I'm you like is sure. sitting. Yeah, dude, I
0: was erect from probably.
1: Wait a minute, you had no libido.
0: <laughs> oh, I don't know if I did it. I might have been all libido, but I was erect yeah. probably uh, from yeah. I can't even imagine. I think from probably fifth grade to probably thirty-one. I did you just... ever have it like in
1: grade school? Like okay, and you're just full full bloom. You're oh. just fantasizing. You're in a zone. You're not paying attention. And they go, Theo, come to the chalkboard. Yeah. Come to the chalkboard right now. Yeah, you're like, and I'll... you had a full
0: erection. Did you,
1: did, what did you do about that?
0: Joust. <laughs> I would joust the other guy passing me in the aisle. Joust. That's what I would do. Everybody <laughs> was erect, man. <laughs> it was just a the whole of, classroom oh it was a bunch of like those tarpons passing each other in the water <laughs> in in uh in middle school in oh, junior great, high man. every like i feel like you just didn't want to get snagged on <laughs> somebody's freaking pants snout when you're walking down the hall i remember sometimes i would have my strap hanging off my back and we had hooked on somebody else's penis as you're just you know because in, in junior <laughs> high every kid is just so damn erect bro Uh, It's just like you You know people just They can't handle it You know you get that Front rudder on you And you can't handle it As a child But I remember this hot girl (laughs) Got her toe caught in my bike Yeah, And we had to take her to the like I don't know if it was Emergency room or just Mm -hmm. Just somebody close by That had damn thread on them You know when we took her over there And uh, I remember Damn thread? You mean just cool clothes? Oh no like just like Could knit, knit her Oh You know spruce Splice her toe back up Oh And so uh I remember she got man, she got she got pretty mangled up, and but she had a limp after that, and I would I'd limp with it because she was always trying to run away from me. So after that, it was kind of good because it kind of you know gave me a chance to. So talk
1: she's to her. out in some open field in Louisiana, and she's got this hickety step because of a oh, broken yeah. leg, and you're kind of chasing her, nah, and ch- she's trying
0: to get away. <laughs> Originally, she'd keep away from me, but once she got her, toe... Yeah. she rode on my bike one time, she got her yeah. toe caught yeah. in the spokes, and that was. And that's what slowed it down. It caused
1: permanent damage?
0: It caused at least maybe two months of damage.
1: Wow. Okay.
0: God, nice. Well, my brother
1: lost his front teeth two different ways in fifth grade, I think. First, he did a wheelie on his Stingray. Front tire went boom, chip. They got the caps. Then he's doing Duncan yo-yos and he's going loop-de-loop. Bam. Chipped them again. (laughs) Only twice. I thought there'd be a third one, man. It'll happen still. Duncan Imperials. I once shoplifted six of those at a Woolworths. I would go to kids on the street and go, you want a yo-yo? And I go in, steal a yo-yo, bring it out. You want one? Duncan Imperial. Go in, take it. I was juvenile
0: in fourth grade. Yeah. And what were you think you were acting out about something? I'm sitting here with Dana Carvey as well. And I'm sorry, I no. didn't even introduce that. Not at all. And what is that? Is oh, Dana, Dana short for something? Dana?
1: No, my name was Brett on the birth certificate. My mm. grandmother, because I had three older brothers, we were all stacked tight, five kids in 10 years. My mom. Um, and my grandmother said, they're going to call him Brett the Brat. So I think Dana Andrews was a movie star at the time. I think it came from that. But it was, I got in Girls peas classes in high school like the thing would come reports to the girls physical education class because. and you'd name. show up yeah Theo is definitely a man's name but Dana's a switch hitter like Dana. Chris
0: or Robin yeah Robin was a wild one huh? Dana but yeah that must have been nice I was thinking yeah could it be short for <clears throat> something maybe maybe bandana I could see <laughs> uh, they call me Dane the Brain because my two of my brothers
1: were dyslexic so they got C's if they really tried so I got a few B's and then I was my nickname was Dame the Brain.
0: Oh yeah. If you were that's kind of funny. If you're even smarter than your brother, you get classified as the brain, even if all y'all are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not y'all, but I'm just saying no, just yeah. in any family and you know, are like, this is our smart kid. You know, we get C's. You're well like, it was oh, it man. was
1: it was bad for dyslexic kids in those days because they just put you in the the yellow book or the red reading book. Oh. Then there was the green, pretty smart. We got in the yeah. blue book, we were the rock stars. And then they would send us to the speed reading kind of clockwork orange van. And they would do the <laughs> words like that, <laughs> reading a thousand words a minute. So that was, you know, it was a weird childhood. But I, my brothers were, we were all shoppers, uh, shoplifters and smokers. Yeah. We would steal my mom's Kent cigarettes and just wail on those. And we would eat ice plants so no one would smell it on our breath. And one day we went to the mall and we, three of us, me and my two older brothers, we parked our bikes, said, shit, someone's going to steal them. We went into a hardware store, stole locks, locked up our bikes, <laughs> went back in, shoplifted, came home, laid everything out on a table. My brother, Brad, who I based Garth on, a science brother, he added it all up and he goes, that's $14 and about 92 cents of stuff in those days. So that, so f- there we said 1492, it's like Columbus. So when you were shoplifting with your brother, you'd go, are you sailing the blue? And he goes, yeah, I'm sailing the blue. I'm trying to get, you know. And my yeah. brother Brad eventually uh, would steal for the sport of it. Like, like he'd go and get a whole LP album under his shirt. Ooh. And I'd go up, you see it sailing the blue? And he goes, check it out. I could, I could take it if I want. I could take it because he talked like that. And then he would put it back. Ooh. So he was like a catch and release shoplifter. Wow, you don't see a lot of that. No, just for sport, just for, but he was a brilliant kid. I mean, we would go to Battle Creek, Michigan to get something from Kellogg's, mm-hmm. you know, the the cereal. So you'd, you'd, you'd have to put a quarter in the envelope and he would just, he tore a little part of the envelope open to see if they go, oh, poor kid, if someone t- tore it and he would get the prize. Oh. Or if we wanted to buy candy at the mercantile, when we went to the lake, he would have a, he would sort of take a. Piece of metal and make a slug out of it and put a quarter on top,
0: so the guy would think it was fifty cents. Mm. So he
1: was a clever kid.
0: Dang, he yeah. was real clever. Huh? It sounds like he's very have that Ocean's Eleven in him. You know, like he's got that. Yeah. Uh, and did he end up getting in any any real crime? No, he just he became he
1: became a brilliant engineer. He invented mm. the first sort of sort of uh, online or sorry computer video home thing. It was called the video toaster mm. with Tim Jennison in the nineties. And he was a kid who um, had D-cell batteries. I found a frog one day, and I gave—I thought it was dead, you know. And he kind of hooked it up, and it was sort of vibrating because he, he had these two D-cells, and he sort of wired it up on it. And I thought it was kind of eye-opening. And uh, I said, Brad, the eye's opening. And this is a true story. I do it in my act. But he's like, cars. he said, yeah, I brought him back to life. He'll never die again. So that was a... <laughs> but Scott and I, so he was the one, the bunk bed one. And we were, because we y'all shared, y'all had a room with how many bunk beds in it? The downstairs brothers that were weird, even to this day, they had a bunk bed downstairs. And Mark, that was two brothers, two brothers, and me and Scott up there, Mark and Brad. And Mark would wet the bed like yeah. anybody's business. So my parents got this machine in a catalog. So it'd be like this plastic sheet and a little mechanical thing. To would wake him up when he'd start to wet the bed. Yeah. So he started to wet one night, but he wet so much he he killed the machine, mm. and that would rain down on Brad because yeah. he was the lower bunk. But he was inventing all kinds of stuff. But and then Scott and I we were upstairs, and uh, he would sleep with the covers over. But we, it was a rough and tumble second day baked goods. You know, you go to the my mom would go to yep. the bakery one day old too too expensive two day old they're almost giving it away. Yeah. So we put those in a freezer. My dad would buy a side of cheap, cheap beef, mm. and he would put it in this freezer, and then we'd get it, and it was almost all gristle. He yeah. goes, "Oh Jesus Christ, the best parts are gristle," and it was just like gnarly steak. Oh. So I had a blocked artery by the time I was your
0: age. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent blocked, man. It was really blocked. <laughs> there was so much fight. I I think like. There was so much more mystery and stuff, it seems like. When you look at, like, your childhood, right? Yeah. And then you have children now. How many children do you have? Two. Okay, and you have two male children. That I know of, sir. Right, and so y'all are male-heavy. Y'all seed line is male-heavy.
1: Yeah, basically. My younger sister, my mom had four boys. I've had two boys. Yeah, so a lot of... You know, I think masculinity begats masculinity. No, yeah. that's a joke. <laughs> No, I'm just saying it's almost
0: like a damn gay nightclub at this point. I mean, you know what I'm saying there's a lot of men in it. That's all I'm saying, <laughs> dude. But well, why is it a gay nightclub? Well, I mean, you're going to have a lot of men over there. You know, well, I'm just saying Jeffrey Dahmer would buy y'all a couple sandwiches. You know? like,
1: <laughs> well, there was a lot of wrestling. So my dad, first of all, he loved to grow a scratchy beard mm-hmm. and then he'd go oh Jesus Christ time for the whiskers and you were like five years old you weigh like 40 pounds ah! and he would get on top of you and he'd go whiskers and he would just rub his face on your face like ah, ah! <laughs> and then he'd have me oh Jesus Christ fight him so I had to fight my brother Scott who seemed yeah. like a giant compared to me he was 12 I was 10 and he'd go oh grab his balls he would scream at us your dad would? oh Jesus Christ grab his balls <laughs> so that was <laughs> these are these are a good times. Steal. oh yeah but I know <laughs> I, I I had a Disney face when I was your age so people always used to think what a what a mellow easy happy life you've had but it
0: was it was good that we had each other right you know? and so it we, sounds like it sounds like y'all were really close huh we
1: are we are still now we survived it it was a fascinating time it was you know.
0: But um, you look back on your childhood pretty fondly. It sounds like you look back on, because you have so many like memories. I love, I, I'm like kind of fascinated by nostalgia and stuff. So I think I think about those times a lot, you know?
1: Well, I think that those years you can't ever get back. And those years are precious. The thing that we were able to do is we were so independent. There was one landline, it was a party line. Sometimes you pick it up and the neighbors are using yeah, it. Great, oh, sorry. That, yeah. Huh? So you were just gone a lot. Yeah. And my dad would go to Montana with his friends a lot. And so we would be just on our own and just on, get on your Schwinn Stingray. My brother got the Schwinn monster green. My parents ran out of money. They got me this Sears offloader or whatever it was. It was a cheap kickoff one, yeah. which I knew it was okay. But the step kid or whatever the bike was even called. I, think. I Yeah, I think so. <laughs> the other, no, the, Scott was the favorite. So we, uh, we just ride around all day and we'd, Just, you know, I played flag football in fifth grade, and it seemed like professional sports. Yeah, I loved it. it. Ready, break. And I was the halfback. And, you know, so I agree with you. That's why I call them the seminal years. I think they're so important to about 12. And then then life kind of interrupts. But before that, you're taking in so much information you know what about you yeah you, i mean we had a, a decent you time seven or
0: eight What? what's going on in your household <clears throat> are you scared dude i was very scared growing up i think i think i just yeah. grew up like real sensitive like super sensitive real scared um mm. what what was it like i think uh yeah it's a lot of time alone a lot of time with strange babysitters you know mm-hmm. we had a babysitter that got a roach in her ear one night and she kept like yelling at us that she had a roach in her, but she spoke also Spanish or something. Or I don't know if she spoke Spanish or just something was like wrong with her or something, or she didn't, maybe she didn't speak real well or something, but we thought it was Spanish, you know?
1: How, yeah, babysitters are memorable. We had one when I was five. My parents drove to Montana. So, and you
0: lived in Montana growing up?
1: No, just till yeah. age five. But we went okay. there every summer. I was just there. So I'm, okay. I'm I'm a native son in a sense. But that babysitter, like I'm five and I got, a, she's putting back teen and a Band-Aid on my knee. Mm. And I'm five and I'm remembering her years later, like she was a fairy princess, like gorgeous. So I mm. said to my brothers at the time, Mark was like 12. And he goes, oh yes, she was just a complete knockout. Wow. But that's, that was a memory when I was five. But oh, I wasn't yeah. thinking sexually. I just thought it just hit my brain, you
0: know? You know, I've lost some of my hair, um... I wasn't taking care of myself, and I got off of medications uh, that help you keep your hair, and damn, a third of it fell out. So that's what's happening in the world. You know, two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they are 35. Uh, More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. One thing you can do is, what I'm back doing now, is using Keeps keeps offers a simple affordable and stress-free way to keep your hair i'm not worried anymore i know i'm back on the right path convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months you don't have to leave your home if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss go to keeps.com slash theo to receive your first month of treatment for free that's keeps EEPS.com slash T-H-E-O to get your first month free. Keeps dot com slash Theo. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you get another three months for free. That's right. All plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month for a limited time only buy any 3-month Mint Mobile plan and get 3 more months free by going to mintmobile.com/theo that's mintmobile.com/theo cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/theo yeah, there so was... babysitters were... Oh, babysitters were good. But ours was, yeah, this one lady, she was either Spanish or... or just, I don't know if she had, like... She might have just had, like... Um, fuck, she could have been damn narcoleptic. I don't remember what she was. There was something unique about her to us, you know? Yeah. Um. Huh. And she um, she got a roach in her ear, and she was trying to tell us. And we're just kids, you know? I remember, and she's, like, yelling in Spanish about a roach... Having, like, a... El curcadacha in... Um, I don't know what they call and it. And she's scre- yelling at the kids. And How- awesome. we don't know. We don't know what's going on. We, you know, we don't know if it's like charades. I remember cacaroche. we barely knew her, you know, and then uh, she ended up having to go to the hospital. And she did. A roche got into her ear. God, that's and, funny because uh, that's such a great yeah. word
1: for that accent. Because I remember Al Pacino doing a Cuban accent. Yo coca A coca is a, a cacaroche. great word. A coca A coca roche. A in tair. In tair. Sorry, can't am I canceled? Can't do that no, accent. You're good, dude. So yeah. So I just for a second, cause My father was Nicaraguan also.
0: So you're so, good to do that here.
1: So he had a full accent and everything?
0: He had probably, I would say, forty percent accent.
1: So you, know? you would say you know I don't, I don't know the difference. I just know a general I just know Al Pacino's crazy Cuban accent. At all. So Theo. Yeah. Why are you gonna talk Teo? It time for Thanksgiving dinner, Theo. Is that how he said it? No, he didn't. He said not it. that much. He was a little lighter, you know. Hey, Theo. Yeah. Hey, Theo. Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what did he think of you? You think like my dad had it in for me a little bit.
0: He did was he a was little... he jealous of you? You think? Yeah. He was jealous that you were kind of like pro, like funny and fun. He didn't think I was funny. I think my brother Brad could
1: fix things. Like, oh, you know, our tool drawer was really sucked. Like the hammer always was lost. So Brad would take a butter knife and fix the dryer Mm. and my dad would stand over him and then try to take credit for it. He was just insecure about not being able to do that. Uh-oh. And then for me, it's because my mom called me precious. Mm. I look kind of androgynous. I don't know what he thought I was. But yeah, I could see it a little. And he was, oh, I definitely had a very much a baby face. And he had it in for him. But what did your dad think of you? Were you the favorite son? or you, there were How many
0: brothers? I had one brother and two sisters. Okay. And my dad was born in 1910, so he was an old man, right? So, so but the time you were like eight or 10, he was almost 80 then. Yeah. He was almost 80 when I was 10, he was 80. And so mm-hmm. it was interesting. I don't think I knew what he thought of, him. you know, he would be sleeping a lot. Like a lot of my memories are my mom waking him up and him being kind of pissed off about stuff or he'd be sitting somewhere and he would just kind of doze off. You know, he liked to let me sometimes mm-hmm. like rub on his shoulders a little bit. Um, sometimes he would smell like beer. Um, he let me like drive his car whenever I could like was tall enough to drive. Like he kind of like, let me just, mm. he needed help, you know, a little bit. So it was like kind of like this trade off a little, but what did he think? He thought
1: well, he's got three other kids. Yeah. I mean, in, in between him and your mom, I mean, who what, was there anyone who was the clear cut favorite or I was my mom's favorite mm, and were? Scott was my dad's favorite. Cause all of a sudden you'd come home. me as a new guitar. Mm. Or like it's not even christmas or his birthday fuck that that's was like been way unfair oh, oh man but i i was not envious of it to be to be bud's favorite no i yeah. didn't i just scott didn't you know that was great get away from the monster but i thought he's just getting toys he was called scotchman or scott the pot
0: oh he got it
1: did you have a nickname theo the leo no i think i just had like
0: <laughs> theo uh, what is it teddy maybe sometimes did they
1: so? Why did they name you Theo? It's such a unique name, isn't it? For that your generation? Yeah, my dad's hip, name but... was
0: the- Teodoro. 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 Yeah. Oh. So we had that, you know, like some type of uh, Spanish flair or something, you know?
1: Teodoro.
0: Teodoro. Oh. Teodoro, Teodoro. Roosevelt.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I named my son so he become a presidente. I'm yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I don't know. Is it offensive? No. Teodoro Roosevelt. I think it's good. I just man. think you must have been such a cool
0: kid because you have such a curious Brain, So I I hope that you're... What about your mom? Didn't they kinda- I think they didn't... My mom was busy working, so we had these strange people that'd be over there, you know, a lot of these babysitters, and we'd make up stories and tell them stuff, you know? And <laughs> a lot of them, we'd have, like, it was the first... We'd have, like, this big black lady that would take care of us or a very old woman that would take care of us and just, like we had the Spanish lady with the roach in her you know like so there was just (laughs) like I think we didn't really know who was going to be there one time we did get the hot chick dude and I remember she took me to summer camp or day camp at the YMCA Mm -hmm. And she drove this orange car i don't remember and she played bon jovi and i just remember i don't think i'd ever heard music until there was like a hot woman pregnant pre- uh, present. Uh, oh yeah and suddenly like i could hear music i was cool and i was like play it again play it again and like just like her like interacting with me or engaging with me was like the most magical thing i remember and then um Mm. yeah and she was not even cute i don't think but i thought she was like just the hottest thing ever you know oh, there you know she magic- looked like a man actually she was almost like a man she looked she had like a short haircut <laughs> and she she kind of think she kind of i think a lot of dudes would have been like whoa you know mm. she's not my first choice of a woman you know <laughs>
1: that i had Plus. crushes i had just mad crushes with yeah. absolute shyness uh Linda Benson. There mm. was like a
0: she had some tits, huh? seventh
1: grade party, and you do a makeout session, you know, in oh. the dark, and it was Linda Benson, and she knew it, knew her way around that situation. But I went. What did they do? They put that. y'all in a closet or something? It was just a dark room, and I, you know, seventh grade, and like what? And suddenly, you're, yeah, maybe we went in a closet. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, and I, what happened?
0: Is it like the hardest part ever was, I think, trying to touch a breast or something? And at the movies, a lot of guys, there'd be big guys be like, touch it, get that titty, boy. <laughs> and they threaten you if you didn't do it, you know? <laughs> so then you're like working off of a clock, kind of, it's like a shot clock.
1: Well, the thing is, is that there were, I don't know where you were. In junior high, there's some women that go, right? They come back from the summertime. Yeah. And they've been genetically gifted. They're suddenly stunning. Mm. Some of the guys, we had a guy who's like had a little beard. He was all muscly. He was in eighth grade. And I looked like a fetus with shoes. Ooh. I mean, I was, nothing Ooh. was happening. But I, you know, I was, uh, I got a chip on my shoulder. Did and you? It, I don't know where my drive comes from a little bit, but I hate to lose. And I hate anyone trying to fuck with me but i mostly want to be nice and friendly and stuff mm-hmm. but if someone goes i, I don't, i'm not good with that i i attack pretty hard not physically but i will you know verbally
0: to, you'll be some you'll get there. i have to get the
1: upper hand but spade's got he's got a, an edge to him too you know what
0: well, my why I keep, my good buddy spade yeah, yeah we had a nice time we had dinner the other night that was fun. we ended
1: up laughing our ass fun. off about your comedy team oh that australian, was australian uh dancers in vegas you know your movie idea that that they try to go to vegas and they come like thunder down under like oh yeah like models with their shirts oh, off yeah, but they yeah. call themselves cocky and bows yeah. on cock he's bows <laughs> together with cock and bows and then, then you have little you know it only lasts like one it's only 30 seconds of the movie but uh that was just funny but yeah space i think we you know it's like He's fun. You guys have your podcast, right? It's called Fly on the Wall, Fly on yeah. the Wall. Uh, it's called Fly on the Wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a promotion. Yeah, David, known him since before SNL. Met him when he came in. He was always cool.
0: You met him before that?
1: Yeah. He was like 21. I was like 30 or
0: something. And did you guys seem, did he seem similar to you, kind of? Um,
1: there was a period of time where, yeah, he was like definitely from my tribe. You know, we're, we have a, you know, there's... There was a time when he opened for me. So he's like 28, 29, I'm like 38 and we he'd come out and we were playing these sheds in the round in uh, the northeast and he'd walk out and they go woo from a lot wide shot at that point they thought it was me. Oh. You know? And so and then but then they're then, like Brr. No, but no. Spade was so hip even then. Eventually, he just had shorts on and a skateboard, and he would kind of just hang over the stool. and He's like, "What's up, everybody?" I go, "How this? You can do it that way." I didn't even know you could do it that way. And he was hysterical because I come out jumping around. Isn't that special? You know, I drenched in sweat. And Spade is cool. He's got a little Diet Pepsi. What's up, ladies? You know, so he's the coolest. But really fun to do a podcast with him. He can drop a little sketch in five seconds he can go he could take a story of just that the hamburger was overcooked and the guy's going i'm like I <laughs> go, hey, buddy, could you ch- a little bit on that? I mean, he'll create a complete sketch in five seconds. So it's so much fun to watch. It's so yeah. lo fi. He doesn't push it at all. And Uh-oh. you got to go back and rewind it almost.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a remarkable way to say him. It's like he, like, just, he's not out there barking about his no. wares. It's just like, hey, come see what I made. He's got here. this
1: little physical moves that's, that beep represent beep. another person, a little effect, yeah. and really funny word packages. Yeah. Hey, buddy. You know, that was, I learned that from John the Winners. You know, that was, and the, then the rotary dial went out and I lost oh. my closer. Fuck.
0: Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. That's the worst when time, yeah, when times start to change. To yeah, I know. Isn't it weird about humor? Do you find this, Dana, that I, like I get scared that I don't know what the next generation of humor is because it's almost impossible to really know it because you have to like, live you have to come up in it really
1: yeah i know it's really interesting i mean obviously i don't generally now go east you know i don't do indian accents or japanese accents really i can do them you know um and i had a bit about them and i just sort of dropped it i don't know it's it's, there's this sensitivity now but i do agree with bill burr he was on our podcast fly on the wall and that if the intent is to hurt, is different than just an observation. Yeah. You know, I just was talking about where maybe the dialect of a Japanese accent came from. Just that every accent, like French, is where did that come from? Right. You know, and where did, you know, that. And I figured it's because of all the ring of fire, all the earthquakes. Hmm. So you're just sitting around. <laughs> You know, so that was that. So I don't know if you'll have to edit that out, but I just thought it was funny. I mean, so because why do they talk like that? They could have talked like this. Yeah. Everybody could have talked like this. All humans, all humanoids were just just grunting all over the world. Uh. Pointing and hey! Uh. And then the sounds came up. Uh. You know. And I think the Indian was more copacetic on the trade routes. Yeah. Uh. You know, it's lyrical and very copacetic. Like, I will not hurt you, but you will not
0: hurt me. So I don't know if you have to cut this part out. No, I think it's interesting, man, because we used to play this game. When I remember the first time we met a Japanese guy, we played this game where it was like, we would just make some sounds and see if it was something in Japanese, you know? Oh, that's it. We'd be like, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then we would ask him you know
1: what the whole?
0: yeah no it's uh,
1: but it, it's incredible accent crazy, to listen to it's crazy
0: to think that somebody has a whole different like like bible of what is sounds and thoughts inside uh, of oh
1: I love it and I'm just into rhythms that's all you know it, they the whole is greater than the sum of the parts mm. and, and when I hear I just like it's just poetry to me You know, with any accent.
0: Well, it makes me think too what their thoughts and insides are like, you know, and what some of the mechanics are are like inside of it. You know, that's what I wonder sometimes.
1: And where does it come from emotionally uh, for the male and the female dynamic? Yeah, because like like
0: a lot of Asian females are very
1: uh, yeah, and the men are kind of alpha male, which you can sort of practice probably lowering (laughs) your voice.
0: Yeah, Yeah, it's coming from you know. Like a sea it's almost where a semen launches from, like right there, you know? (laughs) A little bit.
1: (laughs) What is it? What is
0: it? what is what
1: is yeah, yeah. And that could just, oh, that could be a guy ordering a Pepsi. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. This is my favorite podcast ever. I'm just saying. There's, I think there's a this guy like, ordering
2: Pepsi. I mean, yeah,
1: exactly. Or a guy having a male orgasm. Yeah,
0: and they don't have a lot of orgasms. Also, in Japan and in, uh, we're orgasm heavy over here. I mean, we're skeeting up the landscape, you know. And then, wait a
1: minute, we're orgasm heavy. We're skeeting up the landscape. So, in your mind, I think so. In, we're, in America, we're orga- we we climax more than Japanese people, or Asian people, or any other culture,
0: by far. I because
1: think. we are the world, literally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. we are the world. You know, we're we're, were you in that video. <laughs> no, but I could do I could do a Springsteen if you want. We are the world. I'm Bruce Springsteen. I'm five foot seven on a good day, but with my boots and my cowboy hat, it's six feet of Springsteen coming at you. Sure, I could have fixed my underbike, but why? I'm worth a billion dollars, and I love everybody. So anyway, that's
0: uh, <clears throat> what were we saying? We are the. Oh, the Michael God, Jackson. I, I just mean movie? all yeah. the
1: badass people of the world came to america all the aggressive people are that's why right we are so freedom heavy here if they told the anti-vaxxers we're not going to admonish you we're not going to say you're a piece of shit and you're a murderer but could you please get a vaccine they would have been sure man you just ask me yeah but if you go you got to get one you fuck okay. you man American no one tells me what to do true, so it's just um, the wrong strategy yeah you know Arnold did a PSA it should have been instead of you know fuck your freedom it should have been you know if you could look at it you know you could maybe go to the doctor you get a little injection you know <laughs> and you help all the people <laughs> instead of you murderers <laughs> but we are badasses we're the people you know my ancestors just somebody at some point in Ireland just said I think I'm leaving Yeah, do oh, I'm out there where are you going I don't want to stay here in the rain in the potatoes. I'm yeah. going to America. You could get killed. I don't give a fuck, yeah.
0: you know? We'll have a better menu. So where, you have Nicaraguan. Polish and Nicaraguan, yeah. So somebody probably fucked on a boat, I'm guessing, because I don't know how you even get that mix, you know, but. That's a steamroller that went through
1: the Suez Canal and somehow connected your mom and dad. I don't know. It was a, probably a hundred ton steamroller. I
0: don't know. <laughs> but I think, look, man, I, I want to go back to this. Cause I think we're semen heavy over here, right? Okay, so you mean we, <clears throat> we have a lot of semen or we climax a lot? We climax a lot here, yeah. I believe, in America. Because we're right. all, we're selling it now. There's, you know, there's a lot of, and I know there's Japanese porn and stuff, but in Japan, like, even if you go there, it's hard to meet women. There's not as much, I don't think, promiscuous sex. Uh, from um, what I've heard, anyway. Well,
1: look, I don't know. Like, for me as a kid, you'd go to the dump. Or go in a park. And jerk off? No, you'd find a beat-up Playboy magazine. Oh, yeah. And I don't understand. I can't even wrap my mind around a 12-year-old online going on porn. Yeah. I don't know what, what toxicity or joy that represents, but the boys are falling behind the educational system. So technology gave boys video games,
2: you know,
1: and porn, and then said, now, study your algebra. Uh, I think I got something Whoa. better to do. We're yeah, gonna, you, you know, I'm so, about to
0: find the square of my own root.
1: You know? <laughs> 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 At least he had a smart answer. Yeah, to, totally, Dad. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. So it's uh, the boys are behind now. The this is the it's been the year of the woman for the last 30 years, which I'm okay with. But here we are again in 2023. <laughs> it is drum roll, year of the woman of again. The and so it's a great time to be a woman, and I'm all for it. It's just the boys have been the porn, and the video games are- you have been really beat down. Yeah. Did you ever tail end that? Did you? Were you into Nintendo?
0: We, yeah, we got Nintendo yeah. came out, I remember, and we get a game on our birthday. Usually you'd get a game, and your friends right. would come over to see what game it was. You had that one gift, and you'd open it, and- and when porn came along, man, I remember, yeah, I would bike far for porn. If I heard there was porn somewhere, you know, I was starved. I was starved for like a from like for motherly affection. So I think when porn came around, it really started to fulfill some of that space in my well, life. What,
1: let me let me just unpack that for a minute because I was a therapist for a brief period of time. Were you really? I'm not. No, yeah. but I, I love talking about human age so what do you
0: mean you were starved for affection your mom didn't give you affection yeah I think my mom didn't like look at me much you know she didn't did she she was, she you? didn't pick me up much no. no I had a sister that was real sick that had uh she was born with like a rare liver condition and so mm. she is different than the rest of my siblings because she got actually like physically picked up but my mom didn't she doesn't know that there's like this emotional world at all I think she just probably didn't get it you know
1: I don't know if I got a lot of it either. I mean maybe it was the 60s. I you know, I don't remember you know, I love you uh, but she was nice. She was sweet, but she was the sixth kid. She was as terrified of my oh, dad yeah. as we all were, you know. But Oh, your mom was.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: But she wasn't mean. She was sweet, but uh she was terrified. We all were. It was just like, you know, there's one time I got up uh these are just fun stories. I got up and uh you know, I was like four or five and there was no toilet paper and I had to, you know. And so I used the towel and I was so young, I just put it back on the rack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so to wipe my butt. Uh, yeah, and my dad dude. came out with it. Uh, yeah. And then I had to grab my ankles in front of everybody. And, wha- and he had to ask my brothers how many. You <sighs> had to go get his belt and he'd just snap it. You had to go grab it. You had to go get it. You get the belt, oh. and then he would snap it, and you'd grab your ankles, and then he'd ask your brothers how many. For it? So
0: then your brothers get to chime <laughs> yeah. in. give
1: him four, <laughs> four, and then he would just start screaming, "You, yeah, where are you?" So the next day, oh. I I had sh- short term memory issues. I wiped my ass again with a oh. towel in his bathroom, and I put it back on the rack. No, I didn't do it a second what? time. I didn't do it a
0: second oh, time. <laughs>
1: But I wanted to tell you about my toys because we didn't have... I came up during so-called practical effects. Like, we got Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing visual on a TV screen. Okay. Rock'em Sock'em Robots was amazing. Getaway chase game. And we played a lot of board games. Yeah. It was, it, you know, they're kind of cool. Don't you find the tactile, three-dimensional board, Stratego or
0: uh, Risk... Risk, you play risk candyland we play we played no. a lot of games scrabble we played a lot i remember my favorite time actually as a kid was when the power would go out because our family had to all get together you know mm-hmm. it was like we had to be kind of stuck in the same room because we needed like right you know mom had two candles or whatever and so we have to go downstairs and so and you couldn't really fight because if you if you fought and ran off out of the distance of the candlelight it was real scary so yeah
1: power outages were hip everybody yeah. had
0: to like You kind of needed each other, you know, so it was like there was I used to kind of like hope that the power would go out because it would give me a time where I don't know. I just really liked those moments where um, we all it was like the only time I felt like our family, there was a semblance of that. We needed each other, you know? Yeah, Um, it's
1: interesting. I I do know that the visceral feeling of like you kind of say you're not feeling well, can't go to school. And then you had the house to yourself all day because my mom taught preschool and
0: you're watching movies. And anybody can teach preschool. No offense to your mom. I'm sure she was awesome.
1: No, she was. uh, Yeah, my sister became a preschool teacher. But being in the house by yourself and then looking out the window at like three o'clock and seeing the kids who went to school is a little melancholy. I was almost like a panic attack. Like I should have gone. Oh, yeah. And it's it's like when school was canceled, you find out that there's no school today because of whatever reason. All those feelings. Same thing with the powers out, you know? And, you know, the, all these things, again, they, they inform us. That's what my five years of therapy was about, all those experiences and how they stay with you, you know, and how it manifests in you now.
0: Yeah. You know, it's and, interesting how it does. Yeah. Did was your, so did, did your, did you and your dad have a good relationship? Cause it sounds like, I think a lot of men from his era probably just had a tougher, I think that it was a different thing of being a man back then. It was full John Wayne shit, and he was so terrified of
1: his son not being, you know, and he was an orphan, and he went through different, you know, and then he got in the Navy in 1943 or something, or the Army. Now he's an orphan
0: with a gun.
1: Now he's, well, he was a radio operator in India, but I'm sure he had a firearm at some point. But it was a a different time, and, you know, sometimes I would pick up the phone at night, I'd hear his birth mother Saying, do you forgive me, buddy? Because he was nicknamed was Bud. For giving him up at birth. Oh. You know? So he had his, he was wounded and had that deep-seated insecurity. I think he had a little colorblind and a little dyslexic stuff that would have not been diagnosed. So he had an inferiority complex. But I, you know, in the end of the day, I don't harbor any. I mean, I'm kind of like, you know, just moving on. I mean, yeah. but but there were times. There was a few times where I felt like he was being intentionally cruel to me and getting off on it. Mm. You know, because when all my brothers left, I was the last one to focus on. And I'm with my two high school buddies, cross-country runners, really close friends. All we did was run. And I was going to work this weed killer and spray it around the yard. So Mm -hmm. he came in the garage and go... Um, How do I get the top of this off, Dad? And he goes, this is with a quote. My friends never forgot it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ, use your penis, you (laughs) shithead. (laughs) So we broke that. Use your penis, you shithead. (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, it's practical (laughs) advice. I am a shithead. I don't know how to do it. Can I use my penis? So I started, no, but that, but then he kind of, it was real anger. And my friends left. It it freaked them out. And six weeks later, I got out of there. Wow. I thought, this, this is not good. Use your penis, you shithead. Is <laughs> a poetry to it. You know, we all laughed a lot now. I mean, we, we laughed even then. We just have... Bits of laughter.
0: Dude, laughter was so much. There used to be a value to the moment, you know? And I think about this a lot that there used to be like the moment was so valuable because you couldn't, there wasn't a lot of recording of it. There wasn't, Mm -hmm. nobody had the opportunity to see it again a million times over. It was like, this is the freaking moment. Are you gonna be here right now? Just
1: go. And you know what I've observed is like, Young women are the happiest people on earth. Really? Because I go to Griffith Park and I got my sweatshirt hood on. I'm going, I'll see groups of high school or college girls Mm -hmm. laughing and chirping and just like, and I'm just like, you know, it's like just giggling, just head back laughing. But we did so much of that. That's what made me a comedian. The friends I had, they were were just really funny, had great sense of humor. And we just just started performing, just laughing, 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 and you know sometimes you lose that, but it's so fun to laugh. Like on this scripted podcast, mm-hmm. we had a uh, we right. don't have to bring it up, but no, let's bring it up. I want to, yes. Yeah, but so you... we we had a credit roll, and Dex, my son Dex Carvey, and Julia Madelich did so many things. It was during the pandemic. They they wore every hat. They're, they're directing, producing. So the credit roll at the end, I read it as a character. Mm-hmm. But they did so many things that it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was not one of the hardest I've laughed in the last five years. It was a character like this, co-directed by Julian Matulich and Dex Coffee, written by Dex Coffee and Julian Matulich, edited by Dex Coffee. And it went on and on. But they literally had to wear all those hats in the pandemic. We just did it at a table with a laptop. But that belly laughing is so valuable and so charming and you're right, just just going with it. We had a little bit the other night right before you, that last 10 minutes I was really, because it, just getting silly. You were in so there. Said man.
0: Cork and balls. Oh, I'm cock. Yeah. If, what was it? Yeah, what was it? We were talking about having like an Australian. It was like the Thunder from Down yeah, Under. Yeah, Thunder remember? from Down Under. Yeah.
1: But if you're two characters and you're the the Me cheap. and Spade would be the Speed, guys. Yeah, you're like, it's a 2 p.m. little review yeah. and you'd be in Speedos. And so you decided, you spell it not, differently than cock and balls, but basically, oh, I'm cock, he's balls. He's together, balls. together, we're cocking and
0: balls. And then yeah. you start dancing. Yeah. Just to see Spade do that, would be pretty funny. And especially if one of them lost his cock and he is only balls, you know? And that's why they had to do it. Wouldn't that be crazy? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not a cock.
1: I'm only balls. He's only cock. Together, we're only balls and only cock. Sign on to onlyballs.com. Yeah, that's anyway. I want to say cock and balls more on this pocket than there's any other one I've ever been on. <laughs> He's cocking on with bows, but it's just idiots with super cocky. That's the funny part. It's like,
0: here we are. Here we are. Come watch us. Come see our raw uh, penises outside, inside. <laughs> I'm, Do you think um? I lost it in a wall, in a lawnmower accident when I was a kid. Once the
1: guy next door was mowing the lawn uh-huh. and rah, screaming, and he he cut off some of his toes. Right, but the ambulance oh. got him. But the toe was out there later. Yeah. So then my brother Brad came out and put it in formaldehyde. No. My mom saw it and said, "We got to take it. We got to get to the you know." take him to the place and they went into like a medical center we just moved to this town and she went into a psychiatrist's office and she goes there's a boy (laughs) who's missing a toe in my car You know, they said it's okay lady just have a seat you know but brad's kept that big toe and i remember looking at it you
0: know wow yeah this episode is brought to you by better help i want to let you know that um there's nothing wrong with getting help you know i see therapists all the time and And um, I've had experiences where I just couldn't make it through my day. You know, I couldn't make it through the damn hour. I've had those experiences. Um, And I don't do it alone anymore. BetterHelp can help you. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. And I like to remind people that if you don't think your therapist is working, it's not challenging you, make a switch. Try another one. You can always come back. You can always try someone new. But don't sit there and continue to go to the same therapist if you don't feel it's being effective. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash T-H-E-O. That's betterhelp.com slash T-H-E-O. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's also the most hectic time. You know, it's the time when the traffic starts to jam up and you're leaving out of here, out of Hot Chocolate Avenue and... Trying to get over to Brisket Drive over there to be at a family function, and you got to damn stop at a CVS to get a dang lipstick or something for somebody. What I'm telling you is ShipStation is here to help. When you're buried in orders and emails from stressed customers, you'll wish you had ShipStation. ShipStation helps you figure it all out, helps you manage your e commerce, get your orders out easy. ShipStation works with all your favorite places to sell online, including eBay, Shopify, Amazon, Etsy. Manage every order from one simple dashboard. Print shipping labels and easily compare rates and delivery times. And when you sign up for ShipStation using my promo code, you'll even get two months to try it free. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of stress-free holiday shipping. Use promo code THEO today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code T-H-E-O. Yeah, I remember we found two fingers in the woods one time, like a peace sign. <laughs> really? Yeah. And that we were actually spooky. collecting cans, and we found two fingers in the wood in the woods. What else happened? Did I, you
1: grow up in, is it suburb or rural? You it was rural. rural, but it wasn't oh, okay. redneck.
0: So okay. I never had like any redneck stuff. We just had like a lot of poor people. Mm-hmm. Like we used to watch dogs give birth, and people would bet on how many whelping, how much dogs, the ba- the, how many babies were going to be in it. Um yeah. We, we grew had, up like a hamster breeding area. We had a dude not far from us that used to breed hamsters. You know, it was big in our area. We hmm. had, um... I used to clean out wishing wells. Our town had, like, apparently the most wishing wells per capita or something. Is that because of religiosity or just Irishness, I guess? or I think people just love, you know... People just love having water hidden under the land. I'll I tell think. you, for me
1: personally, when I had this... uh this bypass at 42. I'm incredible now. No, but,
0: uh you had a crowd group. Uh, uh, yeah. You had uh, no, a, heart a double. Surgery?
1: Yeah. Well, the heart's perfect, but the artery was blocked. Damn. And I had to do a by- bypass and they did it. They didn't do the right, artery but they didn't harm me but i was fine but my indian cardiologist pk shaw mm-hmm. did a. he went to mother Teresa's gravesite and did a prayer for me mm-hmm. and then my irish super irish catholic mother-in-law born and raised in dublin she did a wishing well in dublin and then now i'm just perfect wow i don't know if it's true but you know i like i i leave a space in my head for spookiness oh me too i think it's one
0: thing that used to really uh, that it's one thing that used to help my imagination so much when i was young is that Anything could be possible, you know? Yeah. You heard a lot more lore and stuff back then, you know? That's one thing I really miss. Like, now it's like everything is, um, like I asked my little niece, I, I said, you should use your imagination. And she goes, what is it? Imagination? She thought it was an app on your phone. Oh, and I'm wow. like, oh my God. Like,
1: Well, not to dovetail again to this goofy... Uh, uh, this brilliant scripted podcast, but that is bringing that back. For mom and dad's driving around with their kid, they're gonna, just going to hear a story. So let's go with into big it. music so and big You guys sound.
0: started it during the pandemic, right? Yeah.
1: Dex and Julian came to me with the idea of my son Tom. They all grew up with Twilight Zone because I had the mix. I had the DVD at my house in the nineties, okay. so they're obsessed by it. So we want. They want to make a show like it and we just came to thing we needed to have rod and we knew it'd be a big budget thing so we decided to do it scripted podcast and based on the twilight zone but a comedy version and they went downtown we went crazy
0: slowly. so a scripted podcast
1: yeah comedy podcast right so it's yeah. basically where oh, you
0: yeah where you uh, it's where like you guys write it out in advance right
1: well we wait we, here's <laughs> is, a, here's what happened okay. we tried to do it we wrote it recorded it and it sounded like some people were on a pirate ship We're like, wow, this is awesome. Then we play it for people and they're just checking their phone. That's pretty good, dude. Whatever. We got, holy fuck. This is not like old time radio. You're competing for someone's mind where they got their phone in their hand. So then we kept redoing it, restacking it, record it. Write it, add effects, better, re record it, more music, more effects. We had access to all this lush music in the Warner Brothers library because we did it with Team Coco and they had a deal with Warner Brothers. Nice. Big orchestral score. So you want to make it filmic and uh, ear candy and intensity. And then we go, but people get lost, they're, they're listening to it in traffic. Someone cuts them off, fuck you, and then they lose the thread of the story. So we go, clarity is king. So we had to put more exposition in, in a funny way, so the narrator Rod. So we loaded clarity, we loaded ear candy, effects, we made it potent, 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 to the point where then we loved it. But it took like a year in a room, and these guys, Dex and Julian, just became this two-man band, because it's pandemic time, so they literally, they... Sp- they looked at it, what, a thousand songs?
0: I don't know. <laughs> we got Dex. Dex is here. He's sitting in the. A thousand songs?
2: Yeah, or how many come songs? On yeah.
0: yeah. Let's uh, ask him. And this is your son. This is your human son. This is my human son.
2: Yes. Dex What's up, Carvey
1: Gets? and Julian Madelich. This is the two man team that went crazy in a good way producing. Writing and directing. It
2: was such a blast. It was such a good learning experience because you could uh, listen back to something. If it didn't work, you can just do it uh, right over immediately.
0: Did it feel weird, like, using, like, because your father obviously is a talented instrument that a lot of the world has used to have humor and to feel joy and, and to feel different things. Yes. Did it ever feel weird as his son, like is there like a strangeness there like request you know trying to like does that ever feel uncomfortable i did never have a real relationship with my father so i don't you know it's tough for me to gauge any of that but i'm just curious about it
2: oh i, I think it could be super uncomfortable just because generally shows where it's a famous dad and his kids uh really suck
0: the generally yeah. <laughs> sucks. That's just common knowledge. Shows here come ever. the kids, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, here comes Ronnie Tarantino. Let's see what he's got going Maybe on. Maybe you could stand up with that. Or <laughs> I don't
2: know. Is this better. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And
0: if we can't see you, too, that's yeah, okay. That's, as long as we can Julian hear you. Julian oh, okay, and yeah. That's Julian there. And that's Julian Witchett. You. That's your partner there.
2: Yeah. This is that, my childhood friend. Uh, lived right next door. He to would us. come over and watch The
1: Twilight Zone, Julian. Okay. And they're the ones who really went downtown on this and went a little crazy. We just went crazy with it, to be honest, Theo, because we could, mm-hmm. and we just, it wasn't like a movie, you make it, you know it sucks, you have to walk away. We just kept redoing it, and then we learned the space now. We think we reinvented it, and whoops, number four on, you know, the oh, yeah, you guys are it's doing four. very well. You guys are number four on Apple Podcasts. Today, anyway, for a scripted comedy podcast, which is a very tough space, so we, we are, we're very proud of it, and we love it, and it, it deals in emotionality, too, in a subtle way. It has story arcs. It has a filmic sense to it. And mostly the word packages and the rhythms of the characters, because that's what I harbor in, those were so much fun
0: to do. And so. Dex, did your father play all the characters? Did you play some of the characters? Did Julian play some of them? Who played what?
2: We got we got a few little ones. Um, my dad did most of the the voices just because, again, it was like, I don't want to have, uh, you know, it's, it's Dana's kid tries voices for the first time. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I, I, we really like the show, so I just wanted them to focus on the show and not about... The people involved as much, but uh, did yeah. you enjoy
0: so a lot of producing and writing from your side?
2: Yeah, I think all. I mean, that was, was cool. I mean, it was. I'm not really that familiar with the whole writing stuff, but like this is like <laughs> the first on, project. But like, a, a sketch We just <laughs> sat on the mic. At a table. And
0: just <laughs> yeah, like, just on stay track. on the mic. You're good. Just oh, stay okay. on the mic. We don't. <laughs> yeah,
1: but basically, we're riffing and we're at we're at an impasse
0: mm-hmm. with the story.
1: Okay. Okay. And Dex or Julian would say something like. OK, the alien has to stay on Earth. What if he gets addicted to Earth food and he gains so much weight he can't get home on a spaceship? So I'm like, oh, shit, that's it. That's it. So they're writing in that kind of way. And then we're all rewriting for clarity. And we all learn together. I, I know a lot more about making uh, film or telling stories now by doing this. But they then they would they would do a rough edit. They would add effects. They would do music. We'd work on it again together. Wow. And then everyone was wearing every hat. Because I would look up from the mic after doing a take at Dex and Julian, and I would go by them, and they might go, I think that last take or this take, and we're picking takes. And uh, I just give them a lot of props because that's I, – I love crazy, and I'm crazy. I mean, I don't I, – I, If I'm working on something like I'll draw a little bit or play a song – I'm as excited about that as being on Saturday Night Live. It's a weird discovery. It's almost scary. Mm. That's all I care about. So this was all from the heart. Um, and not for money or fame. It's just completely a message in a bottle that you hope people can get a little piece in their in their
0: brains for a while.
1: And the weird place it's called? It's called the weird place anywhere where you can get a podcast.
0: Yeah, we'll put the link below so people can uh, get a hold of it and check it out. Now, is each episode different, Dex, or what's that like? Is each episode like its, its anthology. own? anthology, yeah. So yeah. anthology means what? Just th- It's basically three basic stories. Uh, the first
1: one is about a nuclear submarine, 1966, that goes through a time portal okay. and surfaces in 1738 and sees a pirate ship. They don't even know they've gone back in time. Wow. And there's a whole story around that. The second one was this alien who has to come to Earth and befriend an Earthling to get get them to help him make bomb-making materials. So he tells this sweet old lady that that's what he eats on his planet, ammonium nitrate and nitroglycerin. <laughs> well, could I have some ammonium nitrate, Sal? What do you all want that for? To eat because it's food? So that one's a little funnier, but he's the one who gets so heavy he can't escape in the spaceship. They become friends. And then the final one is about a guy who gets— bullied by these guys, and he goes to this, this knick-knack store, and this strange, colorful character gives him a globe, and it's a magic globe. And if you touch the globe, you affect the real world. Mm. So he touches the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower. <laughs> he touches Paris. Then one day, I will go to Paris. And then there's mayhem in Paris. So that one is really very Twilight zone really wow. special. There's a lot of songs, and uh, there's a companion piece called Talking Weird. Mm-hmm. It's sort of an after show that Rod... Interview some of the uh, voice actors, and there's some singing in that.
0: And Rod so, is your character, so people know.
1: <clears throat> Rod is, we needed a Rod Serling character, and so we needed that gravitas and that voice to give us that vibe. And the music's all from the 60s. There's no sex or violence, no real violence. Um, and there, it's it's very 60s. It's, it has an earnestness to it, you know, a sincerity to it. It's not cynical, it's not dark. And Rod know? Serling, so people know who that is. That is a show in the 19. 19- 60s called the Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. and there's been reboots. Black yep. Mirror was sort of a brilliant dark version of it, Black and Mirror then Jordan Peele did did the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And so we just did our own thing, and we kept it earnest, and we kept it roticized for our purposes. So you know,
0: we did a lot of characters. Yeah, there he is. That's him. Yeah, that's him. Justin Thoreau Jr. Look at him. Yeah, and is he related to the um mm-hmm. to Archbishop or whatever the Canadian um you think know, that's who he looks like? Justin Thoreau.
1: Well, that well, I just keep thinking Justin Thoreau for Hollywood out there should play Rod Serling in a biopic. Yeah. Because I think he does look kinda like him. If you could throw up Justin Thoreau if you want, but
0: Yeah, let's you know. get a quick picture of Justin Thoreau real quick and then I got just one more question for Dex, too. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he loves older women. I think he's into well, I was with Jennifer
1: Aniston for a while, right? But-
0: oh, no. I'm thinking of the prime minister of uh, Canada. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. Justin Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so you thought he looks like Rod Serling. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's
1: funny. They Maybe they both do. Oh, that's funny. There you go. He kind of okay. does. He, man, yeah, he you could carry it off. But you could see that uh, Justin Thoreau, who's Just- a brilliant
0: Justin writer. Justin
1: looked- Yeah. And Justin... Trudeau is the prime
0: minister of Canada. He looks like, he's hey. still, like he still eats adult applesauce. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he this does. Guy. He looks like an applesauce face. Yeah. If his face was a fruit product, it wouldn't just be an apple, it'd be applesauce. And it'd yeah. be very the runny kind, not oh, the good kind. That's bad. The shitty kind, like high C. You oh, have to look get, at him. You got, have to get Kool Aid when you can't afford high C. Well, there he is. Jesus. God. Christ's sakes, got his hands around the bun there, all right? That's a good look for the leader of a large nation, okay? Do the double knuckle grip on some chick's ass. That's what we need in our prime ministers, okay? Uh, I can really, my IQ goes up when I become <laughs> Dennis. Yeah? You know, I just know that he won't ever say anything directly. as his own poetry. <laughs> okay, Theo Vaughn there, rocking the mullet. That's a good look circa 2022. Yeah, spent some money on the studio here. What is this? Six by eight. <laughs> Looks like a prison cell or something. Okay, dressing up with the psychedelic pictures. Okay, good. You put down the hash pipe, Vaughn. Okay, do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it just he's uh just a brilliant. Comic he's awesome. Brain. I went on his
0: show one time. Did you? Yeah, he's an yeah, amazing so cool.
1: improviser.
0: Yeah, yeah. Was it fun? Um, oh, I have one more question for Dex. Let me get it so I don't forget. Um. Yeah, is this, is this something that you guys think you would do more of, or would it, did, did this did feel like too kind of harrowing? Ah, um...
2: oh, I would love to do it again. It, it was pretty intense, just because it was just three of us, and we also really, it took like half the time just to figure it out. We just didn't really know how to
0: Yeah, how it's to a lot, I'm it. sure. It sounds like a lot I, of learning. I
1: think we, and Julian can talk for a sec, too. I, I think that we did figure it out we have a work process now it might be a little bit like the first time you do a podcast and now you kind of know you know I'm learning with spades still but we we could go faster we would need a little more help you know maybe a secondary mixer we hired one yeah um, we had Michael Gordon uh, from Conan um great writer we had he's doing some assisting for us but we were basically a three-man band but we could move faster it's like this is proof of concept right. And we may release uh, an episode soon. We had a bu- an episode that we held that Tom thought of. It was about uh, uh, Vladimir Putin goes through a wormhole and ends up in a guy's uh, bedroom in, in rural Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mississippi Joe. Yeah. What, oh, excuse me. Who are you, sir? Who am I, sir? What do you th- You must be KGB agent. Well, KGB agent? I surely don't know what you're talking about, sir. I would, you know, so that's, that's maybe a bonus episode coming out based on popular man demand,
0: you Okay. Know. Yep. That's cool, man. Yeah, I think I would love to see Russia versus Mississippi. So I would love to watch that. I'd watch that on pay-per-view even, damn it. You know, well, I'll tell you, you know, you know,
1: the, the idea, not the romance or maybe the romance, not the reality, but the idea when I I'd gone to Mississippi and the South, with a gentleman a a friend of mine and uh there is a charm factor a politeness a way of speaking that to us northerners is just very very charming you know and
0: uh people say darling people damn i mean they'll breastfeed a damn adult if they need it you know it's just that kind of place you know (laughs) It's not.
1: <laughs> you darling, you know, you all you all need some breast milk. I know you're forty-seven. Come on over here. Here's my titty. Now put your mouth around while squeeze real hard. There you go. There's your breast milk. I just want to make you feel better. I know I've just committed three felonies, but that breast milk's coming nice and clean. Yeah. You too. I'll give you the other side. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very yeah. polite. Welcome sorry. to I'm just ta-
0: Roadhouse, and it's always at a restaurant too. You know.
1: Yeah, it's just the idea of the South and the movies, and you know, and, and the um, what y'all fixing to do, or, or, you know, it's like Al Gore. People should think I did him gay, but I wasn't. I was doing a Tennessee gentleman. He's just, I take umbrage with your attitude, kind of madam. And he's sort of, you know, put together as a Tennessee gentleman, oh, yeah. not a rural rat scat like uh-uh. you from deep rural Louisiana. No, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, you up here? I wear a fine, I wear a fine vests, sir. Yeah. And I say to you, sir, <laughs> that the South will rise again, <laughs> I tell you. You know, so I do love, I love Southern access. I love Bill Clinton. I love being this guy. That's the most seductive. No wonder he got in trouble, because this is this hypnotizes women. Oh. This gets them all bunched up downstairs, if you know what I mean. When I say, oh. baby, I say, you, you have the prettiest eyes I've ever seen. God. And they will drop drawers in a second. Dude, gonna, I'll fold my nuts in with dang vagina right now, brother. <laughs> I'll meet you halfway, <laughs> bud. <laughs> my dang. favorite old-fashioned dick joke is, this woman says to me she wants 12 inches. I said, hey, baby, I don't fold it in half for anybody. <laughs> I mean, that's the best dick joke. You've never heard that? That's the best dick
0: joke ever. Who has this guy? Larry Reeb has this joke. He said, uh, he goes, uh, my wife told me never answer the phone during sex. I said, what if it's you calling? It's just an old joke, but I love it. Oh, I loved old, old fashioned. My favorite joke joke. ever is like, Mm. what's the last thing you want to hear when you're getting a blowjob when when you're giving a blowjob to Willie Nelson? I'm not Willie Nelson. <laughs>
1: How do you get a dog to stop pumping your leg? Pick him up and blow him. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I love these old jokes. What's the worst thing you can hear when you get a prostate exam? Look, Ma, no hands. These are just classics. I used to do this old bit about, it. can you have a prostate exam joke in your act?
0: Let me. Think I don't about do it.
1: this one anymore, but if you need it, you can have it.
0: All right, I might take it.
1: This is like, I hate, you know, you have to bend over and they're going to probe you. And it's like, I like to take the power back. So they start to do the exam and I always go, is that all you got? (laughs) Is that it? Come on! (laughs) So it's a commitment joke. You know, you got to just go full tilt. Come on! (laughs) Get in there! Get in there! You do a lot with genitals, you know, being crooked or only the balls or they're folded or creased. It's a funny rhythm you have. I'd I'd fold my nuts in half and put them in a. Oh
0: merit, yeah. Well, I think give you them got
1: to a, a mirror. <laughs>
0: that's your fucking first origami, dude. Is your damn nuts? You know, because they're so malleable and so like. It's really such a if somebody gave you a <laughs> pair of nuts, it would blow your mind. You know, like in just loose off of a body. Um.
1: Yeah. Just I mean, the,
0: how it's built and everything—it's really insane. Um. Yeah. It's and there's uh, two nuts in there. You know, that's what's the right. craziest thing about you. Sometimes I forget that I have two nuts inside of my nuts all the time. I just forget about Me it. I mean, two
1: testicles inside of your scrotum yeah. using the testicle <laughs> yeah. The penile will enlarge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yes. Well, dude, you remember sex ed? You remember going to sex ed the first oh, time? Oh, God, how embarrassing, you know? Dude, we all wore – I remember all the guys with like – one guy wore, like, a fucking suit or, like, a little tuxedo. We're like, dude, what is going – this guy is spaced, bro. Well, People would wear cologne. People would be fucking drinking cologne. Guys putting cologne <laughs> on in their car before. Like, it was the first- Cologne
1: of- to go to sex education? Like, they're seducing know. sex education? Or was the teacher hot? No, it was a man, dude. But
0: just sex education, they wanted to smell good for sex education. <laughs> we just thought it was time for sex, so we were just, everybody's God. keyed well, up. We
1: would, we would, we would wear hooter clamps just to keep our junk in place. You really? Know? Hooter clamps. They're just sort of like this- Thing you wear, like a leather diaper that keeps your junk in one place. No, I made that up, but that's a joke we used to have. Hooter clamps. Are you wearing a hooter clamp tonight? Yeah, I got my hooter clamp on. Good. I mean, we'd we'd laugh for hours about hooter clamps. It would just keep your kind of wiener down? Which was an invented idea. Maybe Brad thought of that. I don't know. It's just when that time when you're 20, 22, and you just go off on those. Like we said, just... Just laughing.
0: Now, did you ever feel left out if your brother started to get erections and stuff and you didn't have any yet or anything <laughs> like that? Most of the erections were private. Did you ever do a circle jerk with your brother and sisters? I mean, no, we never did anything like that. I remember one I have time to ask. one time we got under this blanket and things were like a little strange, but it wasn't anything too crazy. And our bud and my buddy was there too. It was just almost like a Native American type of deal. You know, it wasn't Native American, like you were under the blankets
1: like a tenth. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then things started, a tent started to form in your pants and you didn't know what it meant and you ran away.
0: We were all just kind of chatting naked under this blanket and then everybody started getting an erection. I think nobody wanted to like admit it, you know? So everybody was just Damn. kind of pretending like they weren't getting an erection.
1: We were more innocent. We would make my sister play waitress like on a rainy day. We go, she wanted to play with us. Now you can't. We go, but you could play waitress. Okay. So she'd make us root beer floats and stuff and she'd <laughs> bring them in like a waitress. We'd go, yeah, okay, clean it up, you know? Next day, could we get a cheeseburger? With Jesus. she became a really good fry cook for a while. But she wanted to be our friend so bad, we just put her to work. I mean, this was the this is the rough and tumble Carveys. This is yeah. like the sons of Katie Elder. I mean, we were we were just badass weirdos building forts, tents, fighting. Was it
0: weird? So whenever you started to have like a lot of popularity in your life from work and stuff, mm-hmm. did, was it? Oh, did, was that? Was it tough with your relationship with your brothers? Like, did you ever get scared? Like, oh, this is going to take away. Because I've felt that in my own life, not felt it, but I've just, I, I guess, I've worried about well, that's it. A, that's a real thing. That's going to take away, or it's going to make my brother think I don't care about him as much, or something. I don't know. Well,
1: I just it, nothing changed on my side, but my brother Scott had a sense of humor about it. He would introduce himself after I got something out of fame as Dana Carvey's brother. Mm. Hi, what are you? My name's Dana Carvey's brother. My other name is Scott Carvey, but my primary name is Dana Carvey's brother. So we just laughed about it and just kept in touch. I would do these things called lost weekends to stay in touch with my friends my high school friends my brother when i was you know peak snl so we'd all go to vegas everyone gets their own room we go see shows we went out to lake mead when it was there everyone would get a wave runner wow. we'd have beer and sandwiches in the front and we'd go out there with crystal clear and we would go to islands and dive off rocks and just have a blast so i just went the other way i i made a lot of new friends you know from in show business but i have a lot of core core friends. And, you know, fame is a motherfucker, you know? I mean, there's no way around it. It's just very strange. And you're you're still on the upslope. So um, your brother, did you look up to him? He was older?
0: Yeah, not as kids I didn't, but as adults I really have, you know? Yeah. He's a really, really special guy. And so, yeah, I don't worry. I just... I don't know. It was just, sometimes I just don't want him to think that I, I, I don't know. I think we I, do no, a pretty decent job.
1: It's it's just weird. And yeah. then the money comes. I remember just, I had the thing like, I'd go to a mall and I'd think everywhere I look, I could buy it. Anywhere I look, I could buy it, you know? And I, I one time went in and I got like a Mercedes cause like an Elvis move at a mall. No, not at a mall, a dealership But yeah. I got, I got, I left the mall and I pointed at this one and it was like, I, Mercedes coupe, but I realized later on it had a plastic windshield. It was like 125,000. It'd be like 250 now. So I turned it back in, and I got a big, giant Mercedes, giant SLE 550, huge thing. And I was going into 7-Eleven just in the valley, and people were looking at me. So then I just went to a Honda Pilot. Ever since then. I like to get rid of stuff. I don't want, I have one car, one wife, you know? So, <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't need a lot of things. I like guitars. I like things I can interact with, mm. you know, a woman, a guitar, a piano, a swimming pool, you know, things that are- Stuff that work? Tactile. Your... Well, I can't get that excited about a chair and just look at the chair. Yeah. That's all right. My wife does. You know, it's just an interior designer mind, an aesthetic mind. I'm more in the internal world, but I, it's not self-congratulatory. But going back full circle to your brother- Yeah, it's so. It's, um, you could feel maybe a little guilt about it because you're changing the dynamic of how he's perceived, you know, which is normal. It's not, yeah, I think it's
0: you. I don't want him to ever, I don't know. I just didn't want my brother to think that he felt that I ever felt like I was more important than him or something like that. I don't know. And maybe that's all egotistical to even think that way, you know. Um,
1: It's, you're just a passenger in this,
0: so you just did
1: this. I don't even know what your resume was before you did this. And then you got really successful, extraordinarily successful. And that's just the train you're riding. You, you couldn't will it, but you were active. You did the necessary steps. But this lane that you're in now where it's Theo Von World and you're run a, you a CEO of a business and you don't bow down to anyone, no one tells you you're fired, this is awesome. I'm glad I live long enough to see this. That's how us doing this this scripted podcast with just a laptop and the effects and and all the things we could get for ourselves. It's such an equal playing field for art and creativity. And you're like one of the big, you know, people out there that have done this, you and Tim Dillon and others, but it's a magic world and you can't hope that you're successful. I'll be therapist for a second. Yeah. You know? That's not yeah. nothing. You just ride in the train that, you know, and what happens over time, I'll tell you this much. Everyone's all excited, you're famous, and then it gets boring. Yeah, It might be 10 more years, but at some point, it's full circle back to Theo. Just like, and you're still going and doing stuff, but like, been there, done that. They're used to all the stuff. But in the early heady days of it, you're picking up checks, you're renting cars, you know. And uh, it's just a little bit of a whoop de doo I mean, I I sort of got famous, in a sense, at 31 or 32. And um, so I had a long runway before that you know if you make it as a child actor that's that's fucked up
0: yeah it's scary i mean it just killed that one kid you know you saw that aaron carter he just yeah you know he drowned out Mm -hmm. he drowned out i think he they said he was huff and duster which i've done i'm not gonna lie about that. what what is that
1: specifically huff and duster
0: yeah asdfl sim or whatever you know or whatever it is oh okay and you hit you know hit the duster but yeah i've hit it before I love it, but I think it's sad to see what happened. You know, he was a child star, and then next you know he's got six or seven service animals. I mean, he had a damn, you know, he was a, in the damn rod, It looked like the guy had so many service animals. Yeah. And then he was getting tattoos and neck tattoos and just... Once it creeps
1: up on the face, you just feel like it's a cry for help. Yeah. You know, it's like, what can I put on my face? It'll make me okay. And the interesting part about therapy is just checking your thoughts and that's a daily thing you know cognitive behavioral therapy because if you get redundantly into those negative thoughts and you water those roots and then they get in your head i'm a loser i'm a loser i'm a loser that's you have to really fight all that stuff you know it's a really interesting game inside your head it all happens in here all your joy your sadness your pain just it's all here you it's know wild, huh? and how you decide it is that's how it is You ever meet a really? I have a friend, Chuck, who's just a really happy person. Oh, yeah. He talks like this. He's like, he's a guy who talks like this, you know. He's like, the other day, you know, I was riding on my hop out my bike, you know, and the wind was coming. I don't know what the fuck was going on. (laughs) You know, he's a mechanic for United. He's a really bright guy, but he's just got this dems and does. Thing of like, you know, you ever go to New York and these Brooklyn guys? I had a friend who passed away. He's like, you know, he's really like, you know, the guy, you know, God rest his soul. My mother did this for me yeah. and this and that. You know, you got to take care of your family. It's a way of just simplifying this ride, this 70, 80, 90 year ride that we're all taking on. Just keep it real basic. Right yeah. here, I'm with you right now. We're bonding over humor and telling stories, you know, and I think that, you know, that Theo's, you know, he's a good guy, you know, and you had a nice chat. He would come to SNL, and he was a basketball freak. He would critique my SNL with basketball <laughs> yeah, stats. He'd come up, because i do church lay, whatever he goes. 28 points, 12 boards, <laughs> 6 assists. Kapish. <laughs> you know, his catchphrase was this, which is another good one he did with my brother Scott. You do what you do. I do what I do. Rubber chicken. Capiche. I don't know why it's rubber chicken, but it just works. You do what you do. I do do what what I do. do. Rubber chicken. Capiche. And then this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Capiche. But he made everything simple. Same with Chuck. Live in the moment. And it's a struggle if you're, you know, a curious, active brain, but it's, uh, you know, it's fun
0: yeah staying well, in that is, yeah it? i think it, it's true it's that it does all happen between the walls of your own head you know it's crazy that that's really where you get that's really where you got to tend the soil a lot and not even over tend it sometimes you get so stuck on taking care of yourself that then that's all you're doing you know it's like i mean mentally mm, or
1: physically or all of it
0: mentally all of it But yeah. all of it it's like i gotta make sure i'm okay you know something that's a, a, a hamster wheel people can really get on nowadays um yeah i when, think
1: nothing has to happen is something that's helped me recently you get all pent up. Nothing has to happen. Yeah. Not, you know, this could have got canceled. Nothing has to happen. Just, just everyone calm down. We're just here. Yeah. Nothing has to happen. We're not going to the movie. No, yeah. no, not, not, not tonight. Yeah. Nothing has to happen. It's yeah. just the way of, guy. everybody calm down and just laugh your ass off and make
0: art. No nuggets. <laughs> no nuggets.
1: <laughs> no nuggets tonight. Damn. God oh, damn, damn it. Man. Nothing
0: has to happen, dude.
1: Nothing has to happen. Uh, it's okay. No one's thinking about me right now. If anyone out there is thinking, is Theo okay? I mean, everyone's inside their own kiosk,
0: you know. Yeah, I think um, it was interesting. So you, so when you got, you had a lot of fame that happened, and then you kind of took a break. Did you? Is this okay? This is a, from just an outsider's perspective. Oh no, no, totally.
1: I, I had this weird. You took a break trick. to t- Was it to be a dad? No, it's very it's much more complicated than that. So basically, I did all this stuff before SNL. Because I was insecure, but I was in the club starting to kick ass. But I did a sitcom with Mickey Rooney Nathan Lane in New York. Mickey Rooney? Mickey Rooney. Did you read his book? No, I know Mickey, though. Oh.
0: Well, this, he passed away, didn't he? He did, but he made it to, like, 95. Yeah, dude, did you hear about the story where somebody, he slept at somebody's house for, like, a couple weeks, right? Yeah. Oh, no, he let somebody stay in his house for a couple weeks. He was married to some, like, bombshell, right? Yeah,
1: he, he all six of the hottest stars in the world, and I said, Mickey, how'd you get him? He goes money makes you
0: handsomer money makes you handsomer <laughs> is his own word but go ahead what was his story a guy stayed at his place for a couple of weeks and he left him a couple paintings as a gift mm-hmm. and they were uh and then like a few months later he was getting a divorce or something and so he's yeah. a friend helped him move and he said oh you can have those somebody left him here and they were salvador dollies They were two salvador dolly paintings Wow. and he talked about struggling with his with money most of his life oh yeah and uh and then here he was giving away a couple dollies like that. Jesus. Just kind of crazy. Yeah, there he is right there.
1: There is when I, oh, there I am. This is the tallest I've ever been. Mickey's like, oh, he wow. called himself, I'm a fire plug. <laughs> you know, built like a fire. And Nathan Lane, and that, he was my grandfather. And I was just cast uh, from NBC. I got a deal frequently. I, I had a teen idol thing going on. And go, you're going to play Mickey Rooney's grandson in New York. And then I met Nathan, and Mickey thought I was gay the whole time. Wow. He would put his arm around Nathan and look at me and go, I'm just glad we like girls. <laughs> and he finally got money because he was broke for 50 years. And Who he had Rooney was? Rooney was broke. I called up Warner Brothers in 1955. I said, This is Mickey <laughs> Rooney. He was always doing this. I need a job. And he'd stare off and he'd go, He hung up on me. And then you'd come into the, the, the the studio and you'd hear him down the hall how long has rod for robert redford been in the business <laughs> he's one of those guys who would talk till he ran out of air how long's robert redford been in the business 10 years i've been in the business 62 years how old are you 62 and 2 months <laughs> i mean he's one of those guys who's a baby oh, yeah. he had so many he would say this a thousand times literally literally he would say this every day I was the which he was. He was the number star, number one star in the world, 1937. I was the number one star in the world. You hear me? Bang. The world. And he did that. You hear me? Bang. The world. I saw <laughs> But he had finally had money. He was doing a Broadway show on our show. He went to the racetrack all week. It was old show business. We had a guy who was five feet tall, his head was. And we would just rehearse with him all week, yeah. but Mickey would have like $5,000 and he'd put it in front of my face and he goes, think I can afford lunch? <laughs> and he had a 38. Yeah. He didn't like the script. He would bring it out <laughs> and he'd throw the script. This script is caca and he's waving this 38 around. He puts it back in. He goes, They're not going to get me. Who? uh, He was going to kill Juan Corona, this serial killer. (laughs) Before this, I was going to go to see Juan Corona. And I would say, You know who I am? I'm Mickey Rooney. I was going to plug him full of holes. (laughs) (laughs) He was the craziest, greatest. He would play a piano because he was a jack of all trades. He did piano chords. He goes, This is Stephen Sondheim's favorite song. But then we bonded. He thought I was a hack and an idiot. But then <laughs> I was able to do Jimmy Stewart for him. So that's when oh, I when from, I got him. I uh, go, oh, "How 30- you doing, Mick? Yeah, good, yeah. good, yeah. good to, good to, good to see ya. And said he was an impressionist too. He's like Sammy Davis Jr. Just could do anything. How you doing, so man? we got going toward the end, and Nathan and I, and you know, there's so much more to it. But Meg Ryan played my girlfriend. Seth, Scatman Carruthers, first time I really befriended. This beautiful older black man from the wow. south, I think, or whatever, but Scatman Carruthers, and he was like such a poet. My brother came out to visit me, and he say, "See that man over there with the broom? He's an artist. We're all artists." And he played the ukulele, and he'd walk around the studio. It had an unmarked bottle this big of pills, and he just chugged some, The you other know, vitamins. I'm going to a hundred. I'm doing Mickey now. I'm going to a hundred. So what happened was. He had he, he smoked a lot of weed. It was always weed everywhere. Scatman? Huh? Yeah, Scatman. Oh, yeah. So during the break, I went back to San Francisco. Oh, there yeah. he is. He was the nicest guy. So Scott and I got like 10, we got like two lids of Colombian pot. Those days you'd fly yeah. with it. I guess we put it in the suitcase. We gave it to Scatman in Rockefeller Center. This is 1981. Mickey Rooney's around. Scat, here you go. Next day, he's in the elevator with me. He says... Because, you know, he grew up during secrecy with pot. He said, the music was good. Uh, might I get a pound? <laughs> so it was the best pot he ever had. And he could look at not even look at you and roll a joint, and it was closed on both ends. Oh. So then after the show got canceled, he was living in Van Nuys. And so Scott and I brought a bag of Santa Cruz Colombian pot. We didn't even smoke pot at that point, maybe a teeny bit. But we brought it to him, and he played ukulele. He goes, I got a bad wheel. It was just so such a sweet, such a sweet guy. That was a cool part of that story of meeting him and hanging out with Scatman.
0: Oh yeah, there's nothing better that feels. I feels better than giving like good weed to a black guy. I feel like too. There's just something as a white guy that about that that feels good. You know, I
1: guess so. I just you know, I didn't. I grew up you know mostly it was a white neighborhood and we had an integrated high school. When I was 14, I was standing there, Carmont High School, 2,500 kids. And they brought all the kids in from East Palo Alto. So these bus, buses showed up and 500 black kids came in to the school. And all I was worried about was they'd think I was prejudiced. So I'd say something that sounded prejudiced. But then, you know, we all they all ran on the team. We all hung out. But Scatman was just sort of, he's just a poet, you know. Just yeah. everything he said was poetry, you know, some of these people. like
0: Yeah, my dad had this fellow named, uh, his last name Wilson, right? And he had a, one of his limbs was shortened out, right? He probably had that, you know, he had that damn sand mm. wedge on him. He had that pitching wedge on mm. his left. Mm. And so they would they would cut a bunch of, he had a bunch of piece of tire cut and, and just kind of gl- either yeah, glued yeah. or nailed onto the bottom of that Interesting. shoe. And he would stand, sometimes when he didn't have his uh, good shoe or whatever, he would stand on a little stoop. So he looked even from far off, right? It was just a big... He didn't want to be uneven, you know? Was he a vet or was it just congenital or an accident? He just probably... I -hmm. don't know. Maybe he got raised in an area on an uneven surface. I have no idea what happened to him, right? Mm. But they... um, He used to put... uh, He would hang out with my father and he would, you know, go get lunch for him and stuff. Sometimes my dad worked in a French Quarter for a little while Mm. selling, I think, some kind of bullshit, but this guy would help him out and he some he would put cinnamon on his palm of his hand and let us lick it off when we were children
1: you never forget that uh, my grandmother bring date cookies and stuff and that uh, seemed
0: exciting um any old person subway to treat anything they hook you up let you lick their hand or whatever yeah. you felt it just made you feel one thing I, I
1: appreciate like my mother had a friend that was just from montana her name was cookie so she's an old person who just giggled all the time. Mm. When you didn't meet a bitter, you you just, I met a lot of bitter people. They didn't like being old and my date, you know, it's like, okay, show business, especially, or life is a bitterness factory. So be one of those cheerful. Don't, Be mad at someone for being young, because James Ferentino was mad at me for being young when I did Blue Thunder. Really? So I was in this mock helicopter, another show that I did, and he was purely doing massive amounts of coke. He had a styrofoam cup this big, a straight vodka. When we were in the mock helicopter with our helmets on, acting. And then I got fired from that. That's crazy people would do that then, because they don't do that now. I know. It was so obvious, because he got out of the chopper. His dealer was over there. And then I thought, I'll just take a sip of water. I was so young and naive. He would take, he was like Scarface. He'd take the script out and he just pounded on the uh, instrument panel and in the Fank helicopter were like 10 feet in the air and they're blowing steam at us, you know. Okay, and we're pretending like, there we are. I love oh, yeah. this.
0: I had a great haircut. <laughs> dude, you do. I could definitely see if a gay dude rolled up, bro. <laughs> you are toast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was
1: Jaffa. Just another frustrated look at that. Decade. I'll throw that a even
0: punch. Look like the same guy.
1: Well, that was a while back, but yeah, no, that's me being the macho guy. But I just had lines in the back of the chopper. He'd say, "Jaffo, incoming, jam him," and I would say, "I am jamming. I am jamming, sir." <laughs> you know, I wanted to be—I wanted to be Richard Pryor or something or oh, Steve yeah. Martin. I'm in this. Oh, I goofy bet they shop.
0: play that at so many bathhouses on loop, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I am jamming. I am <laughs> jamming. I am. jamming. <laughs> I bet you are on so <laughs> many. You are not getting paid for I'm this. I'm not jamming, but someone else <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need to sell. Spe- if you sold tickets in specific areas, man, you would really, really. Crush.
1: But he would call me at night. What are they saying about me? Uh-huh. Well, that you're doing drugs and you're out of your mind. Okay, just checking. <laughs> See you later. But I got fired. They put me in the helicopter with that suit on, and then they, uh, they fired me. They said, come on down. The whole crew was there, mm-hmm. and I had to come down the ladder wearing that. And I they go, you're fired. I am now? They could have told me before I got in the monkey suit. <laughs> so I got to do It's like an old show called Brandon. I'm walking across everybody, you know, kind of waving, humiliated. I go to the wardrobe guy who I kind of befriended, and I'm kind of shook up, and I go, man, I, I'm funny. I can do stuff. And he, and he put his hand on my shoulder like, sure, kid. It's okay, kid, yeah. you know. And then I ran into him after SNL. He goes, God, you, you were right. I didn't fucking, you know. So I got
0: revenge, but that was another crazy. I had some crazy, peop, you know, experiences. But Did you ever try out for MacGyver? That makes me think about that, looking at that show and then seeing you. It seemed like they almost would have put you on there. I
1: don't know. At some point <clears throat> I stopped because what they did was they were giving me 7500 a week. And I'm from a middle class family. I was That's a, a, a lot, lot of boy. money. Yeah. So I was like doing all this stuff was a waste of time. But in the meantime, I was doing stand-up. So finally I got, they offered me Funster Hall. It was like a Punky Brewster spinoff. Mm. So the pilot was going to be 30000 in 1984. It's a lot of money. So I just thought, nah, can't do this anymore. So then all
0: I did was clubs. Oh, because you were making too so much money touring.
1: Well, I was just <laughs> in comedy clubs. I was mostly Seattle. Bay Area had like five full-time clubs. Wow. So I started going, you know, I started headlining. I was headlining, but even bigger rooms. And I was I was making plenty of money. Yeah, you know, $2,000 a week. And so I just did that for two years. And then I did one final thing that was different, was uh, a movie called Tough Guys with Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas. So they became my buddies. That was weird. I was the third wheel in that movie.
0: Kirk Douglas is... <clears throat> Uh, He
1: just passed. He he passed. Made to 102.
0: He was the dad, huh? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Kirk Douglas. He talked like this. And he's a ton of great movies. Uh, And Burt Lancaster. These were like, this is like working with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt or something, you know. And so. Michael
0: Landon, did you ever work with? No,
1: I I would love. There we go again. Yeah, look. Look, I was the pro. I was the straight man again. What are you guys doing? I'm telling you, we're going to rob a bank. Yeah, they were uh, Kirk Douglas. When he saw me, I go, I play him Richie. Kirk Douglas said, Well, you're perfect. You look exactly like Richie. And then Burt Lancaster said, How many movies have you done? I go, Well, this is my first. You've done one, I've done 72. <laughs> so that's the way they talk. You can look it up.
0: So look at all this shit I did. It's a different time, huh? But I'm on (laughs)
1: SNL as the church lady. Eight months later, I mean, I just came out of nowhere. What? Yeah, but they were. It was a thrill being around them and listening them tell the stories. Jack Nicklaus had won the Masters golf at age 46, and people thought, and they're like, I had pimples at 46. Hmm. 46 isn't old. (laughs) It's not even. Not even middle-aged. <laughs> and they talk like that. And eventually, I started doing this thing, which is politically incorrect. You can cut it out. But just for my own amusement, late night writer's room stuff, I did them as lovers. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk and Bert. And I don't really like blue humor, but I thought their voices would blend so funny. Yeah. And the, the comedy was about the rhythm and the vernacular. <clears throat> I want you. And I want you now. I need to have you. Okay, don't rush me. Two men having fun doesn't mean we're gay. Come on, do what you gotta do. Don't keep bucking around like that, son. I only got so much play down there. You keep bucking around like that, I gotta pull out and splooge all over your backside. So that was the poem that made Lovitz throw up in a parking garage. <laughs> so I would do 20 minute versions of this for the writer's room. Could you, Burton Kirk? And I did it on an HBO special. But I do it with love it and love because I would just go so far with it, you know. I don't know why I need you, but I want all of it. Tonight you won't so what I did was then I made it into they're just gonna wrestle. And I made some tapes for friends and sent it to Bill Hader. I'd like you to come over to my house. Three five nine Cannon Drive. This is nineteen fifty two. I'll be there with Bell's. There's a gate off the side. The code is seven five four pound. We're gonna wrestle. We're going to wrestle naked style. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Would you like me to bring anything? Lemonade. Bring me some lemonade. We'll we'll lather up and then we'll wrestle. First man out of the ring loses. I look forward to it. Just naked. I might be wearing a diaper. 4.55 Cannon Drive. I'll be there at 4 p.m. Make it 4.15. I got to get ready for the rhythm. So it's just me having a party with those rhythms. Because when I do this stuff, I'm the audience in my head. Two. I'm trying to make myself laugh. So that's, uh, I've been canceled three oh, that's, times. <laughs> right on. That's great to be the audience in your own head. Aren't you a little bit sometimes if you're in a role like oh, yeah. and you're doing bits and it, it's packed and you're rolling and you're doing it a little bit better or a little bit different than you ever have. So you're turning yourself on going back to yeah. the beginning of the podcast. And what does that do? It turns on the audience, you know, if you get to turn yourself on, but, um, that's all I'm trying to do all the time. I did Biden last night on Kimmel. Yeah. I was just trying to get get that that feeling of a rhythm that makes it makes makes me laugh. You know.
0: Yeah, and he, go on.
1: Come on, let's get real. We kind of not getting around here. You know, it like the, the you know we're all well endowed by our Creator, and all men. It's the belief that all men are created equally with liberty and jump jumpsuits for all man made kind. You're ridiculous, no joke, of race, creating clear water, her colored balloons. I, I, I walked on the moon. You know how he yells? Walked on the moon with Lance Armstrong. He says, I have said, buzz, buzz, buzz light here. It was cold and dark. We got home, the grace of God. President Harris was there. I'm Joe Biden. So I was just kind of trying to find a character and a rhythm because Trump is so easy. I'm going to make an announcement soon. You're going to love it. I'm going to say things like you wouldn't believe. And I know how to say things. People don't want me to say it, but I'm going to say it pretty soon. And we're going to do it. And you're going to be happy like you wouldn't believe. So they're just fun, fun rhythms, you know. I, I did one as Obama, <clears throat> as a preschool teacher. Mm-hmm. Jack and Jill went up the hill. Jill decided she wanted to become a Jack, and Jack decided he wanted to become a Jill. It's a teachable moment. So anyway, that's all. <laughs> these are just rhythms I'm still working on. I, mean, I did them on Kimball,
0: but I like to do them on Theo Vaughn. Is it? Thank you. It's a nice. Gift. You,
1: have a, you have a good sense of humor, so
0: it's fun sometimes. To... Man, I want to learn how to do one with you real quick. What is like one that you think I could do? Um, we have maybe this, norm, Some are just sounds norm? well. I would say the quickest
1: hard? one, and these are just these are ad hoc. They're just traditional. Is walking? You can just start with that voice. The one I distilled was Christopher Walken sees an amazing magic trick. Mm -hmm. So it's really quick. Christopher Walken sees an amazing magic trick. Wow! 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 You're making three syllables out of one word. Instead of wow, it's wow! Wow! And then, don't know! Don't know. Whoa. There you go. Don't know why. Whoa, don't know why. <laughs> well, it's a great character. You should play a hitman that talks like that. Oh. Gotta kill you. Don't know why. Plug you full of holes. <laughs> no. But he's like, everyone does him. I'm trying to think like a...
0: Oh, I do you used to do Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. They said it would take a man 600 years. <laughs> Hold on, let me try it again. <laughs> They said it would take a man 600 years to get out of this here prison. <laughs> but Andy Dufresne did it in less than go. 20. <laughs> that is good. That is very good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's he interesting to do. Um, there is fun to throw your voice. Is it yeah. weird? Because some of your friends have died and you still do their voice.
1: Well, I have Dino Stapanopoulos is a great writer. Uh, He, every time one of my impressions dies, he texts me. So when George Bush died, he texted me, or Regis filming, you know. But there's a passage of time. You don't do it the day of. But David and I do Norm because we miss Norm, and yeah. we want to do Norm. And we know that Norm would have a twinkle in his eye and would be smiling if he heard us trying to do him, you know. Hey, they they say a penny saved is like a, what do you call it, penny earned, right? Yeah, that's like a thousand, that's a hundred percent return. That's like, now you can't get that, right? <laughs> you know? Jack me nimble, Jack me quick, you know? Jack over can, he said, what is he, bipolar? What are you doing over there, you know? He was just a
0: brilliant mind. Yeah, and David, we will do Norm, that one where, like, David where it. Norm just describes, like, he's like, yeah, I'm trying to, like, uh hold on, I'm horrible at this. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll cue you in. So I'm trying to, like, uh, I, I don't know, what are you talking about? Yeah, It's like a, a th- <laughs> it's like I walk through this thing, it's like a, what, it's like a tall rectangle, like a, <laughs> what is this? And like, it's a doorway. <laughs> but like, he would just talk about like, I'm yeah. in this room and there's just men and there's men peeing in there. I don't even...
1: I know he's seen
0: this. Have you guys seen this thing?
1: <laughs> he did a thing. And I don't know if John has talked about this, John Lovitz, but so it's like, yeah, you know, he had a gambling issue, right? Hey John, give me, give me, give me, come on. He did his act. John's going on. Give me $800. I got go to a gamble. Come on. You know? So John's like, okay. So the next day, John goes, can, you know, can I have my $800? He goes, no, I don't have $800. He goes, Well, you owe it to me. Why are you so mad? I lost eight thousand dollars. You only know, like lost eight hundred dollars. Why are you so angry? He just turned it on him. And John was like, John Norm would always fuck with him and say, I'm a better stand. No, he goes, I'm a better stand-up than you, you know. I'm like a better stand-up than you are. He goes, I haven't done it longer and love it so get so mad. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you owe it to me. That's yeah. the best that He you does that. Oh yeah,
1: you know, John has his own character. He doesn't even know where it came from. From hello, <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as the 90s thing, which you asked is so, I did two shitty movies for three million dollars each, they were terrible, I shouldn't have done them. I just didn't know what I was doing. I came off with too much heat. I had Wayne's World, uh, pro Bush, uh, Carson. I was I'm doing you. all this stuff came together, so I had too much heat, and I didn't really know what to do as a middle class kid because now I wasn't 30, I was three million. And I hated it so much. I said, then I had two other offers, pay or play. Hans and Franz, the girly man dilemma, but we wrote it with Arnold. He dropped out. So I didn't want to do that. Bob Odukirk and I wrote a, a Western called Tucson for me and John Lovitz. Oh. That John with that fell out. And so I, and that was 3 million pay or play, but I was okay to get rid of that. they tried to put us together in bad boys, another 3 million pay or play, but then the script just wasn't right. And I, it was a hot oven at that point for me. So I, I got out of that, so then I just sort of stopped, and then I had two kids. But it wasn't it. Then they went along, and then I did the variety show. I did a special, mm-hmm. and then I did the variety show mm-hmm. uh, with you know with Louis C.K. and you know Carol. Yeah, you guys and had great, great writers show. on that. Great show. It did just you was pick on. the writers? Well, Smigel was it was he, you know, I I interviewed Louis C.K. You know, he was brilliant then, and uh, we had we had an
0: A team for sure. When so. you decided to like take a, so was it a decision to take a break, or was it just like this kind of feels what I should do? Was it like specifically to kind of be a parent? Was it to make sure that like
1: there was there was some of that? We moved up to Northern California. I was also sort of disillusioned, you know, because the movie thing once you make those two things and they stick to you, then you're just in a hole to dig out of in a way. Oh, that's what but it when feels I, if like. If i huh? done, I had Hans and Franz, the girly man dilemma and others that I was working on. I just made, it's just a misstep. I always think of big life, big mistakes. It's okay to have regrets. But then at that point I could make a fortune in stand up, Right. So I could work, I would take two months off at Christmas. I would take the summers off. So I could be a present dad and, and make a shit ton of money, and especially corporate dates. I didn't want to do them, so they'd say this much. I'd say no, I don't want to do it. And they go, well, how about this much? No, I don't want to do it. Then they'd say this much. I go, and a private jet. I still don't want to do it. Okay, what kind of <laughs> private jet? Uh, Gulfstream. Okay. So then I started doing those interstitially. Yeah. So I was able to take care of everybody financially, but uh, I was in no man's land. I was untethered, but you know, fr- fame was not something that. I was, I'm, I'm kind of like other, there's a, there's mo, some of us where fame didn't quite settle with us. Like it's scary. Up, some people embrace it and love it. And I don't judge that at all or very easy with it. For me, I'm kind of an introverted extrovert. So being famous was not, it was a very odd thing. The money was fun and the creativity is fun, but the fame part, you know, I don't know. So yeah, it's kind of scary, but that's how I navigated that. I just throw those numbers out. So people know, cause my wife, so I was doing standup a while back and, I would just tease the crowd and go, I know you're thinking like why am I here? It's like 20 seats in in the valley and and I go I I, I know me too but I'm a millionaire and stuff like that. So cuz you don't <laughs> want people to go, "Oh, he was so big and now he's poor." So yeah. it was never a problem and um now it's just full circle. Everything's real in in real time for me. And so this this weird place thing is just Super fun. Fly on the wall with David is super fun. I mean, so I'm just having complete creative fun with both those things. I'm not frustrated. I'm not in a shitty movie or stupid TV show. Yeah. You know, I'm doing my own thing now, you
0: know. What was it like watching your kids be funny? What Did you, like was it what was it like watching your son like was that kind of interesting having had your own relationship with your own dad and your brothers and stuff mm-hmm. what was it like when you were a dad and then you had a couple of boys like what was some of that kind of like um well we just had we just had a lot of fun we had a
1: lot of games you know they were just game for anything we do things like um on a rainy day set up an obstacle course around the house and time them Yeah, and they'd run they did the classic like massive pillow uh, massive. Well, we did the pillow throw. It was called the, and so they would, I get all the pillows from the couch and they would run across on the carpet and I would try to get them under their feet and fall. And they loved the, they loved all the games, you know, the uh, hide and go daddy. Which they would go in the room and they would hide. I knew where they were, but I would creep around and go. I don't really know where they are this time. You hear the closet door shaking, <laughs> you know. So they they and they have their own friends and their own humor. Uh, even as little kids, they were, you know. But we, um, we just had a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of, they had a childhood of freedom up there in Northern California suburbs. Kids could just go out a lot more and you know, sort of. So. I don't know if Dex can jump on the mic on this one. <laughs> <But>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just kind of curious, you know, I guess. We just had what a lot like. of fun. We watched a lot
1: of movies, had a lot of rituals and, you know, we went to on vacation a lot to Montana a lot and we just were in Montana and it was very nostalgic, you know, for Dex and Tom to be up there in Montana, right Dex?
2: Oh, it's the best state. Unbelievable.
1: Was Fred Wolf up there or not? Not at that time, but he's up there all the time yeah. too. Yeah, if you go to Flathead Lake in August and you catch a nice day, it's like Tahoe. No one's on the lake, and the water is just temperate. The mountains, I mean, it's a magic place. Northwestern Montana, Missoula, where I was born, and where we were this summer. I mean, tubing and stuff on, a, on just on an yeah. incredible motorboat. Right, Dex.
2: I, it was the best tubing behind a boat. Is, is my is the. One of the best things on the planet,
0: Dex. Whenever you was was it like? Whenever was there ever competition with you and your brother to like make your dad laugh? Were you guys like kind of funny? Was it? I'm just trying to think of like what it's like to have humor like with your father. I never had like moments with my dad where we made each other laugh that I can remember or anything. I think I was just too young. So I guess I'm just. And maybe there's no correlation. I didn't have it with my dad either
1: um most of the time i think i was a regular dad I, you know i wasn't always doing voices and characters right dex
2: but well when we were doing when you were working up for your special and we were you let tom and i go on the road with you that that would get a little competitive you know because uh tom and i would be opening for you so if, you know tom like mm-hmm. just crushed yeah I'd like oh man i got the <laughs> oh,
1: <laughs> so Tom, you know the brothers are doing stand-up and uh you know, it's yeah, we had but I would just say we just had a lot of fun. My wife who likes a very tidy home just gave them full run of it most of the time. You know, the airsoft battles where there's a million pellets and yeah. their cousins would come over and couches and they'd be in there fighting for hours, <laughs> loading up and you know, I couldn't watch them. They'd be on skateboards going down a steep hill. So my mind was <laughs> too active on that thing. But my my wife could watch them go down the hill and you know, they had a they had a very free childhood in a lot of ways. Don't you think, Dex, ex- you know, bike riding?
2: I oh, couldn't ask for more fun. They yeah, had a lot of independence, awesome. yeah. North, yeah, uh, North Bay, Mill Valley. Just yeah. a little Steven Spielberg town. Wow.
1: And Julian, cool. Julian Matalich was there too, and now with Full Circle, here they are working on this thing. That's
0: years cool. later,
1: isn't that
2: funny?
0: The weird place, which what well, we're always in. We're all always in the weird place, man. It's such a Twilight Zone, life is.
1: Yeah, it really is. It's it to touch reality is sort of because I feel like your dreams are and your memories are very similar, you know? You dream something, but if like you try to like hold it in your brain, you in fourth grade or something, it's it's kind of in that place where you would hold a dream, you know. And so it's sort of elusive, isn't it? Did yeah. that really happen? <laughs> you know, in fourth grade when we would because you're you're remembering it just in images in your head when we skip the rocks. And I beat my brother that time. You know, I hit yeah. it six, six skips. You know, skipping rocks was a pretty cool thing.
0: Skipping rocks is a, it's still a conquistadorian of, event if you, can get, if you can get into it and do it well. It, yeah, I miss the days when things were a lot more simpler and things would be – like I remember walking down the street. Somebody invited somebody – their family is – somebody had died over there. And they buried them in their yard, right, to do insurance what? money. They weren't going to tell anybody and get that check. Wow! So That's me, quite... and, me and my buddy Summer all are walking down the street, and next thing you know, we get invited to a damn funeral. So we're in the backyard at the, oh wow, at these folks' house, and they're burying the damn grandfather in there in the ground. And then we go back there and play kickball and shit back there. And he was shit. in the ground for like probably eleven months before the cot. They figured it out, you know some. You know,
1: wow, <laughs> that's that's extraordinary—a cadaver buried in the yard.
0: And we had to do a. I remember they said, "Does anybody want to say a great uh, say anything?" Right? And my buddy, he said, "Grace," like you say at dinner or something. He didn't know what to do. I guess we were just children. Wow. And he said, "God is great. God is good. God, we thank you for this food." And I'm like, "This is a fucking." <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was in the, so we're this, standing there by the, end like in the by animal vibe? yeah. <laughs> that was so well, we weird. were
0: Scott and I were in the good time though.
1: Pet cemetery team under the willow tree. So the oh y'all were
0: burying there. him out there, huh? So you almost had a little bit of land, huh?
1: Well, no, a quarter acre. There was a willow tree. Yeah, whoa, and, that's a little close to be burying a well, dead animal, bro. Well, we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, where else are we gonna do with them? Take them to the dump? I don't
0: give a damn if you don't have a half acre, bro. You don't no, worry, we but.
1: we it was, it was a short, you know. Boots got rigor mortis in the in the laundry room out in the garage, so we cannot go. We're touching boots, and boots <laughs> like so. Boots has ants, ants, ants coming in his mouth, and he's 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 kind of stiff. We're uh, not yeah. That's a Japanese sure thing, he's thing. I'm not sure he's dead, <laughs> you know? so we get the shovel and we're bringing boots down to the pet cemetery, the willow tree, and we dig the hole and Ryan, we put boots in. We both heard, we thought we heard. <laughs> and we go. I go. What should we do? And he goes. Hey, he's gone. Or anyway, <laughs> so we <laughs> buried it. And Tiger, and then Peppy. Peppy got run over. My brother Mark was sort of not a good driver, so he backed up over. she took a nap <sighs> under the tire. We came out. And Pepe, <laughs> poor Peppy. was a little cute little poodle. The head was all flattened out, but. He said he never felt a bump, but Scott and I got the shovel. This time it was a, not it wasn't a question mark. We were down there right next to the boot. You know, so we buried a lot of stuff anyway. No, but yeah, we had a kind of a suburban, but it was low population, a lot of open land. Yeah. And so a lot of getting in hollowed out trees and smoking cigarettes. Oh
0: yeah. Boo Radley and out there.
1: Yeah. Getting in the hollow tree and getting sometimes getting stuck in it, you know? And, uh, and fights, fist fights and headlocks, you know, cut it out, cut it out, you know, a lot of just like, shoo. my brother got through a dart and like stuck, stuck in my leg and I had to pull it out, oh. you know, but anyway. It's real shit, yeah. Yeah, I know, it's just, there's a, this uh, we have a the symb- symbiotic yeah, kind of Yeah, I remember childhood. a guy
0: borrowed some money off me one time to buy drugs, right, and I didn't know he was buying it for him and his mother or whatever, but. Mm. I went down there a couple of weeks later to get my money back. You know, I'd loaned it to him, like, $2.50, and I needed it. You know, holidays were coming up and all of that. And so I went onto their property, and they had, like, 11 people lived in, like, a house this big as this room. And there was people sleeping in the sink, and I was so mm. scared to ask for the money. And then him and his mom started fighting about drugs, and next, you know, mm. they're fists fighting in the yard you know and I was like oh y'all can just keep the money I mean they're just beating each other's <laughs> teeth in Jesus
1: we had the Casson brothers and their mom was like 28 or something yeah. you know and she was divorced she was a tough chick but she was never around and Johnny Casson, Jimmy Casson was bigger I had fist fights with both of them you know and I would take five to get in one round houses yeah. I was 90 pounds and and then Jimmy beat up Johnny and was over there. And Johnny came out of the kitchen. He got every, every sharp knife in the kitchen. He was holding them like this. He couldn't even throw them. He goes, <laughs> and he had like 10 knives. <laughs> <laughs> the Casson Brothers They were the other side Of the tracks yeah.
0: Even though we didn't have Train tracks there <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know mom, Mama was horny Her, Their mother was just Horny She was horny Oh dude We had that lady I think I told you The other night My mom got a dang Dodge Neon right And it was so nice mm. And my brother Would go My brother and I My brother Zeph And I would go Sleep in it at night Just because cause it was cool Oh I get it was it. just the, the It had plush interior Yeah It had uh, It just smelled Like something new yeah, you know, we'd be in there. God, just smelling, just just smelling as much new newness as we could. Smell. Oh God, yeah. and we'd fall asleep in there. And then this lady, we had this lady that lived a couple apartments down, and she'd always play. She'd be out there one time, and she was getting railed by some guy on the on the fucking new car on the against the side of it, dude. Wow. My brother and I, my brother and I, woke up, and this lady, she was always <laughs> out there, kind of touching herself and fucking huffing, you know, not paint but something, and um. And then we just felt the car shaking, (laughs) dude. It's
1: funny to go by people having sex. We run cross country in high school and this couple's on the trail. It's like, let me buy. As far as the car, my dad had a British, we always had used cars, but it was a Hillman. It was a nice British sedan. Mm. And my brother Scott, the guy who ran over Pepe, he was like 18. So he went to some baseball thing, hot dog, jamboree. And uh, later on, we found out he had 10 Heinekens. So he drove the car home. He had had 10 Heineken's and then he got hungry. So he had pink popcorn. He had two big things of pink, And I don't know how he made it home, but he came in and he was so fucking drunk. My dad goes, You drunk? So he's sitting on the bed. I was like so my dad's doing roundhouse lesson right. Well, he broke his wrist on his skull, probably the first two oh. punches. He wore a cast and we had to say, We couldn't say why. My mom's saying, You're killing him. You're killing him. But he didn't feel anything. So Scott and I were the team. We had to clean up the pink popcorn. Covered oh. all over the front of the Hillman. The only thing worse than that is when the whole neighborhood's toilets backed up in our downstairs toilet. No. It just started flowing out because the downstairs brothers had just a toilet down there, mm-hmm. no sink, and started flowing out. So we were in charge. So Scott and I were the bucket brigade. So it was poo and shit and water going and out there. not the just y'all's, everybody's? All the, just, not ours, just the whole neighborhood. It was just not all ours. They Damn. just came and it was flowing up, and it's we're like bailing. The worst Brad had a a drill because it, ga- it was it was starting to rise up, Ooh. so he was could have electrocuted himself, but he he was drilling, and then he went under the house and was drilling holes for the water to drain. And my mom was screaming. To he us. was
0: under the house drilling holes for the water drain, because yeah, The plumbing was yeah. loading up in the
1: well because it was filling up the room, and oh. we were bailing as fast as we can. Just shit, just like we were really good athletes at the time. We were fit, but just like for hours. And my mom was screaming. Were throwing it out the window? We were throwing it out the window, and we'd even grab shit and throw it out the window. We were just, just we loose we had, handed dookie? Well, buckets or grabbing, we got just in a frenzy oh. because we just we're trying to stop it.
0: If you got a loose handed dookie of a stranger, I don't know if there's any <laughs> other. I mean, you should have a <laughs> well. We had
1: every texture that day. We had kind of milky. We had really solids. We had two double solids. We had we had every kind of feces going out that thing. Oh, yeah. We learned a lot about the human anatomy <laughs> and gastrointestinal stuff. Yeah, but these are all true stories. I couldn't even tell you. I mean. There's a lot. Oh, it's
0: good. It's fun. These we had some rough and tumble. You, you know? know what I remember about a lot of people don't remember. Like I, I'll hang out with my best friends from growing up, and they don't remember a lot of the stuff that happened. That's the interesting thing. I'm like,
1: well, you're kind of jogging my memory because of you, the, the car and all these things. A lot of you people just
0: don't remember it. I don't know if they didn't weren't paying us enough attention, or I think I was hyper aware as a kid too. I think as comedians, you get hyper aware because you're really alert and sensitive to what's going on. That's
1: good for a comedian is to be observant and really be a sensitive instrument, I call it. Yeah. And so it's almost a form of light form of Asperger's. You don't want to look at the light too much because everything's so intense, you know? And, uh, I just remembered all of it, you know, I just said, yeah. because it was, and there were some just lazy moments too, but there was one time where I just got incredibly lucky and it was almost a spooky day at this cab weird cabin in Montana well, they had a slot machine in there. You know, mm-hmm. it had all dimes in it. Mm-hmm. And so I started getting- and You were a child or an adult? I was a child. I was oh. like eight. Scott oh, was 10. Yeah. I started hitting jackpots. No, And it's like, and then he'd do it. And I, I kept hitting jackpots. Then we were playing poker and we had these chips and I kept getting perfect hands. It was this day where I was just incredibly lucky for this day. Like yeah. I couldn't lose. Couldn't lose. It went back to the, little, and it was dimes coming out. He gets like, you know, one cherry, gets a dime. I like, <laughs> three cherries. So that was
0: kind of a mystical day. You know. Yeah, things when you're young have so much like even if you win you win seven dimes, it's like, remember when this happened? Or oh, yeah. I remember we, we were going to the movies and we found a busted open Coke machine and somebody had been trying to rob it and like jimmied open them and they'd ran off obviously right as the yeah. money was falling out. And I walked up oh, and there yeah. was all this money and a watch. You could see the robber that had reached in there. Would, his would watch had come off. So suddenly it had me a nice watch and as much money as you could think of. I bro. loved it. That was my God addiction damn. to
1: shoplifting. You know, I would go in. When I finally got caught, like I had a special billowy coat and a special secret pocket in the back. And so I, I was like in this drugstore and i was been shoplifting like crazy, you know, mm-hmm. shopping candy, everything. And I got this top that you would spin and I put it in there and I'm on my bike. And right as I was getting away the guy grabbed the back oh. of it. So then my brothers, you know, they were the ones who got me into shoplifting. They would stick stuff yeah, down my deviants. they would stick stuff down my pants. But then I, you know, that I was shamed were by a mule. that. I yeah. they I took the fall. They didn't say we were shoplifting too. And we used to stick stuff down his pants. We taught him how to do it. They didn't say anything. They stayed quiet. Damn. So my dad came in and I thought, okay, here it comes. You know, snap the belt. But then he goes, Oh, Jesus Christ, you brought shame to the family. Oh. But I didn't really feel that. I saw it bullshit. <laughs> I thought, come on, they were all shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well anyway, we're halfway through the podcast. No, we're gonna take a break and oh I'm sorry. We've, we've probably done we've pretty probably good. Talked. How long have
0: we been? Two hours? Oh Jesus Jesus Christmas, man. Seriously, really? Yeah, I didn't realize we kept you in here that did you long. You put it in two parters or no, we'll do a one parter, man. Okay. Um and yeah, I wanna I wonder if they'll let us play a clip from your show. Do you think they will? Which mean the weird place? From the weird place. They can play yeah. anything you want. They brought a couple clips. Yeah, I
2: got a clip. You um, wanna did? play it? Yeah.
0: yeah. Which
1: one is it? I'll set it up.
2: Uh you guys were saying uh Psycho Bill. Psycho Bill. Okay, Psycho
1: this is this The submarine crew goes back in time to the pirate ship. Okay. And then they interact with them and they figure out they've gone back in time and they go on a, a tour of the pirate ship okay. to show them everything and they go to the brig and they meet this especially potent prisoner okay. and the captain McKinley from 1966 is a little thrown by it and this is their conversation. He's behind the bars. Okay. Are you sure that cell will hold it?
0: I could never break
1: out Not with these balls made of fine Spanish steel Now Who is this oddly attired gentleman? I'm Captain McKinley Of the United States Navy Navy man Something Something strange about you What is that Sweet fragrance I smell It's a deodorant Deodorant never heard of it huh this guy's starting to give me the creeps so there's a little it's it's, you know the filmic music the sound effects like he's slapping the bar and the effect on my voice we played around with that forever i was doing hannibal lecter i was doing all and then these guys pitched it down and i said oh god that's the guy Uh, that's our that's our bad guy that's psycho bill who is this right here yeah What's that <laughs> sweet fragrance I smell? Yeah. Uh, deodorant. Never heard of it. You're a Navy man.
0: Something strange about you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's almost it like somebody's uh, just bought a new cat.
1: <laughs> Do we have another one? Do we have the ant one or no? Yeah, I got it. Okay, here is like the guy who gets the magic <laughs> power with the globe. These bullies shit on him. He says oh, He says, I'll fight you in an abandoned lot outside of town. Then he goes to the globe and he sees an ant. And he puts an ant on the globe, and it's Magic Globe. Yeah. So he drops it on the lot they're at. And they're just waiting to fight him. And this giant ant comes out of the sky. And these bullies have to fight the ant. Oh, so here's nice. What it's, here's a piece of it. There's okay. a lot longer, but yeah. Look at those legs! That
2: up Coming out of the sky. That belly! It's a giant ant! Oh,
1: no, we gotta fight this thing! Keep your feet moving, boys! <laughs> Get the shotgun out of
0: the truck! Yup. Yes. <laughs> <Eat this. laughs> give you a few biscuits. <laughs> Throw rock
1: at his head! I don't
0: know how to hit him <laughs> the go, go, <laughs> Got the rope around his neck! <laughs> <laughs>
1: So they're fighting for their life. Just wow. to give you a sound collage and that Who made the ant noise? Did they uh, well, they did, did it. it, they did effects. I did some practical effects where we oh we God, we layered so much in, fun. Layered in a ton of effects. I mean, Julian, <laughs> what'd you do, man? What'd you do to Julian, help out? I want yeah. to know a
0: little bit more. He did here.
1: all the stuff, oh, yeah. Dex. They were partners. Yeah, Lennon we'd and do, McCartney. Like,
2: we kind of lay down some initial effects with our just voices and whatnot or find some stuff on YouTube, and then yeah. we would send it out to our to our mixer guy we were kind of collaborating with, and he'd help us sort of build how it How exciting
0: out. are the moments whenever you kind of like, okay, yeah. let's redo it again, but then you realize how much you raise the bar on it. You're well, like, that, oh my God. That's it. Yeah.
1: That's it. Look and how we, much
0: more we can do. That's
1: why we kept doing it, and those guys went downtown with
0: that ant thing. And we kept doing did it the, doing Did it. the Carveys gang up on you any, Julian? Or do you feel like you had, were you afraid <laughs> to be the, uh, you're obviously the odd person out. And there's yeah, nothing no. you can do about that. That's, you know, there's genetic. There's not
2: much, but no, we, you know, we all grew up together. We had a hole cut, cut in our back fence and we had a tin can phone and whatnot. Oh, so yeah, we were, dude. We go so way they, way back. Were, they were They yeah.
1: know each other. He's like a brother from another mother. I mean, they're like thick as thieves. And they have so much shared experience. I met Julian when he was three. God, and what was he like then? He was he was about uh, he was pretty pretty cocky really. He had diapers on, but he had an, No, he was just a cute little kid. <laughs> Shirtless, maybe. probably, huh? Probably just strolling around the neighborhood.
0: Yeah, drinking out of a tit—that's cocky as you can get, dude. And his dad's from Mississippi. So oh, that's, really? That was you yeah? Know. I was
2: I was baptized in Mississippi. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: damn. Maybe yeah. that's what's up. Yeah, dude. I saw. I used to work over there, and. Uh, i had to paint a fence one time right with this fella big johnny and he was a homoerotic guy right and they didn't you know and he would wear uh big chains and stuff yeah. and he had a big afro and he would drive on a riding lawnmower all the time and he and i had to paint this white fence and the birds all these uh i think they were nightingales maybe mm. would come and try to get into his hair and so, my job <laughs> while I, we were painting, I had a badminton racket and just to whack them all day, bro.
1: So, that was your job?
0: Yeah, we were out there. I started painting, but by the, maybe about an hour in, he couldn't handle the pressure of the nature. So,
1: what, 60 cents an hour and you're just whacking birds with a tent? Oh, I was
0: doing pretty. I was getting paid five bucks an hour, but I was out there. I probably, Woo! dude, I, I bet I took 30 sparrows off that dude's brim that day, man. I mean, because his hair was just, they wanted a nest in it. But did you wound them and then they'd fly away or did you really
1: whack them dead?
0: I'd say probably 40, 40, 50 or 40, not 40, 50, 50, 50. Wow. Birds are intense. Yeah, it depends. Well, the problem with birds is they're coming out of the sky and you don't know what's going on up there. That's what I find right we have animals some, you get a little bit more you get the you, they run up you get the ambiance but a bird you're like fuck you know we have
1: some koi fish on our farm slash ranch and they're inside this cement it, it came with the house but they built it so like the bald eagles or whatever's up there because most of the people come over go i can't believe they're still alive and they're big they're like 40 pounds and they'll live to Man. like 110 koi will yeah they'll live way past us they're like vegetables that float around i mean they go around in circle on a five-foot thing and they're fascinated for a hundred years, Damn. but anyway, he said that the the birds intuitively know they could get them with their talons. Is that it? But they wouldn't. They don't have enough runway to get oh. out because oh. they'd hit the Buddha statue.
0: Damn! So they're safe for now. They're safe for now. Yeah, baby. safe I'm, for now. I think we all we're all that's all we all we're are, all man.
1: safe. Uh, how do we close this, Theo? I I this has been so
0: much fun. I really told you a lot of. Stuff. No, look, I'm just, (laughs) I think it's interesting. I've heard some about your life. I think it's nice that you're getting to work on a project that, you know, with family, obviously family is something that's been very important to you. And so I think that's super. To me, that's really cool, man. Like, you know, I talk about doing stuff with my brother. There's a lot of people who would give anything yeah. to be able to do a job with their dad, no matter what it is, you know? And uh, like, um, Especially yeah. to make something like this that almost anybody could really make. Like, of course, people aren't going to have oh, the no, same people, talents.
1: People make them, but we know that you got, it, there's a whole new level you need to go to. You can't just write a script, get some voice actors, and add a couple effects. Right. You need to win the war every moment for right. the attention span. You need every single moment. That's why we made it kind of like an album, yeah. you know, uh, rather than just something to get something else. Hey, maybe someone will buy it and we'll make a lot of money. Yeah. You know, we actually said, no, we want to conquer this space. And those guys, uh, they were writing with me at the table. They were directing me. Um, they were doing rewrites and they were doing the editing and they were stacking the effects and working with Ben. And, you know, it's just, and choosing music, bringing in the music. And the music inspired me, Yeah, you know, and the right scary oh, yeah, music sure. for Psycho Bill. What's the music? And we had the, that library, so we, we were able to make it filmic,
0: as you can see by these samples. Oh, yeah. So. Well, it also does that thing for me. It brings back your imagination. Like, That's it. Suddenly, yeah. my imagination has yeah. to work, and it's almost excited. And I don't mean that any dad and son could do this or any dad and family and friends can do this or any group. Anybody could. You could make something fun with your family. You could do something. Yeah,
1: with the but, tools available, you can make cool right, you stuff. you can make really cool yeah. stuff. Yeah.
0: But also, obviously, you guys are trying to get it at a level out there where it's like, you know, you want to put a piece of art out into the world. And I think it's interesting that you didn't burn yourself out over the years, so you still have the ver- a little bit of the veracity or concern or whatever to want to do something like this a lot of people get burnt i mean there are people that you know do 20 things that they don't want to do for years and they Um, get burnt out you know so my other
1: son watched the time machine with rod taylor obsessed which i showed him as a little kid and he's possessed by it so art and music my family with the beatles and movies just everything to us Making art, uh, doing it. I like to think that because of my cross country and track, I've kept my VO2 max really strong. Like, I don't think anyone in Hollywood could hike up a hill with me. I don't really think so. If they could, but I'm going past like uh, they're all in the slow lane.
0: So you could beat Neil and easy on his little.
1: Well, yeah, I don't want to pick on him. I'm thinking of you and me, mano a mano. I'm looking at 30 years young. He's got lungs on him. Does your dad have some good lungs on him, Dex? Wow. Well, I've just never stopped. I need it for my mental health. I love playing the guitar. Like I do it for an hour every night, making up shit. And I need the the breaking the sweat with the pulse. I love it. So, but I do think the core energy and passion for me. And I'm just surprised. I mean, it sounds so self congratulatory, but I care just as much about this as anything I've done. Anything it doesn't matter to me. When something was kind of shitty, you can, shitty, tell. You can it, tell. If something's popular, okay, I might like it. But, well, you can tell by hearing, right? You just tell. Because that it, the amount of layering that went into it and the amount of sound collage and just finding Psycho Bill and writing the part and what do they say. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. Blink in your brain when you hear that voice. Well, I could never escape. What do you picture?
0: Um, Psycho Bill, you mean? Yeah. I picture a big, uh, oh, you know what? You say, no, well, it, it can now be Now I wonder if, I'm, if my brain's taking over. I picture uh, a little bitty guy <laughs> with the biggest wiener you've ever fucking seen. <laughs> a human tripod. I mean, he's got, no, he has to wear it over his shoulder in a bag. Yeah, he uses it a weapon. But he doesn't even talk about it. It's just, yeah. you don't really know that. Okay. And he has the biggest, thickest, darkest mustache you've ever fucking See, seen. See,
1: that's the thing. That is your psycho bill. Yeah. That's your cycle bill so that it, you and he, he could meet. get out of the
0: prison easy he could literally just walk through the bars if he wanted Well, there's
1: stuff that happens but he
0: stays in there because it's just it's who well he, he's, is.
1: he things happen in the storyline there's stuff that happens with the other sailors, and there's some illicit stuff that's going on. Yeah, good. So, you know, that that's the, the great thing about this. If you're driving around as a mom with your kids and it's, it's nothing else, you can else listen going, to it with family. You can And to let kids. them imagine the story. Ooh. Let them decide what Captain McKinley looks like or ca- Captain Jack, you know, who I worked after my wife's Irish uncle. Am I out of talk like that? And we just call him Captain Jack. So, all the characters have some some reason or some way I found my way to them there's a character called Smarty Wiggins a pirate uh-huh. and I base it off this Irish woman Noni who talks sort of like this but he's the smartest pirate in the world <laughs> and he invents the toilet and he goes I call it a lavatory because he's a, he's a genius pirate but that was coming from Noni's voice mm. God rest her soul she went to the
0: stars God damn that's what my father used to say all the time
2: oh really God damn
0: God damn it. It. <laughs> and he would like just randomly, yeah. We'd wake him up and he'd be like, God damn it. <laughs> it was that's like all I remember him saying most of my <laughs> life, dude. And then he would like have some beers. He would, oh, he would take me to the bar with him and he'd tell me to go walk down the bar and come back, you know. Well oh, my dad used to literally walk down the bar and I'd walk down it with all the people's glasses on and stuff. And it oh, would be, walk I'd down think,
1: and get a beer for him
0: or, or just, just walk down it and come back. You know, when you're mm. little, it's a long bar. You know, when you're four or five, oh, yeah. it's a pretty long bar. But it's bar. all nasty stuff. A bar right, is so illicit. Yeah. You know, reaching in and getting a little popcorn or a snack. Oh, nut yeah, and you're, you know, w- jumping over this glass and you it's know, dark having in to there. conversate with people. It's almost maybe that's how I got on stage first. I didn't even think about that. Well, but I had God, to walk. Yeah. sometimes I'd go walk the bar for him down there and the lady would be down there she'd give me a little christmas candy even if it was out of season she'd have a little cup of christmas candy and he just wanted you to walk down just to see what it just was to like get off his nerves for about 30 seconds oh just go walk around for a bit yeah go walk down the bar because wow. it's harder to get down the bar if you walk down the floor it's wide open but the bar there's hmm. deviants you got a damn fucking pedophile you got a couple fist fighting there you know you got a guy picking his nails you know and giving it to you or whatever <laughs> You know, you got a lot of- Yeah, uh, you have a great memory. You got people to meet along the so way. So
1: you paint pictures with your brain. Because I'm imagining man. this bar now. Oh, and yeah. And imagining
0: 10-year-old Theo. Tony Padoni's, it was called. Tony Padoni's. And then my dad was like, we're going to ride. We're going to, all right, we're going to head home. And he, we'd sit in the car, like, we're going to leave in just a minute. And then he'd fucking fall asleep. Mm. And I'd just be fucking sitting there in the fucking And waiting car. for him <laughs> to wake up. Yeah. Oh, my dad would, when I was in junior,
1: I was the last kid there. He'd give me an enema kit because he was too embarrassed to go buy one. Oh. Oh, oh, Jesus Christ, Dane. This is this is my best. This is how we talk. Oh, could you give me one of these? And it's something funny. Because I was buying the enema kit for him, no embarrassment. Yeah. Even though they might be going, what? You're you you you're that constipated? You're 18? You weigh 110 pounds? Jesus, kid. But I know, okay, just give me the enema kit. Jesus Christ. But he, he did take us to the Kit Kat Club in Idaho Falls. Oh, that's nice. And it was illicit. It was dark and kind of nasty. Your father took you in there. He took us in there. The drink we, to get you a drink. No, we were just driving up to Montana. My sister went with my mother on a plane, and so we drove up. But just the the bar scene as a young, the darkness of it. Because when I worked at Holiday Inn as a busboy and I'd go to or a waiter, I'd go into the bar to get drinks in the afternoon, and then there'd be like a parent of one of my friends would be in there just getting blasted. He'd see me and he'd kind of look down. And then I did room service. I waited on Michael Jackson. I waited on Little Richard. He was naked. I waited Little on Richard was, and did he he answered homo- the door erotic? naked? And he was somewhere hot. Well, there was a man in the bed with okay. sheets over, so and he, he answered the door naked. That seems
0: pretty gay. I think.
1: I think it's gay. And he goes, "Have you been to the show? Because he was playing the Circle Star. And Theater. You were a child. Huh? You were I was 18, 19. You have been to the show? And I I did. You know, I just I waited on Richard Pryor. Waited on, um, you know, Carlin. Waited on Rich Little. Stuff like that. And wow. those are whole other stories, but, yeah. You know. But anyway, so, Theo. Um, well,
0: I think we're okay, man. I think we got enough. We spent a lot of time together, man.
1: Well, it just flowed really nice, because I do this now. <laughs> so Yeah, I know you it, do this, this is for a job easy, with... This was really fun and easy. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, me you know, too, man. I really um, did. Uh, I mean, I kind of broke a sweat a little bit, it's but good. I think I'm okay. I think it counts as a workout. No, i really good. Well, just, you get a, you know, you just sort of get, it's exciting just sharing these stories and, the way we were bouncing off each other, because your stuff just keep it was inspiring me. Oh, thanks! Because I'm like oh, the new car, the brother, or the thing, or the guy with one toe, or whatever. It's like, oh man, okay, oh, we had something kind of like that too. Yeah, so we were we were kind of hillbillies from the middle class white suburbs, basically up there in the Bay, San Francisco Bay Area.
0: Yeah, but it, I think it's interesting. I think there's just so many commonalities. I, I, but I love remembering things from the past. I think it's pretty fascinating i love imagination and yeah i think stuff like this is good stuff like um the weird the place. weird place is great for people because yeah, it'll help just to get you to go, especially moms knowing or dads knowing that they could listen to it with their kids. Yeah, hey, what do your kids think? Throw it on, you know. Oh
1: yeah, and then we we have some uh, emotionality, like I said, in it. Nothing heavy handed, but there's some sweetness to it and earnestness to it. And it this, we were doing thinking of this before Ted Lasso, which I think that struck a nerve too. We love the dark stuff, and you know, but, but there's something about earnestness mm-hmm. and sincerity. And we loved going back into that 60s vibe. And they're all evergreen. They could play a thousand years from now if there'll still be submarines. And um, so we just love it and um just feel very lucky.
0: Was there ever a chance like looking back on some of your like prime days when you were working on SNL and you got to work yeah. with so many unique people? Yeah. And in a time when they let characters really develop and, yeah, and reoccur, and you had your catchphrase. God, <laughs> yeah. It was so it was so much fun um was there ever a chance you guys would try to get back to i've always wondered why didn't like five or six of the guys say hey let's do this again let's just make our own thing and do it it's you know it you step That's an outsider's perspective you know no i know and you always think oh
1: but then you're kind of like how do you get back to sketch you know me doing these voices and improvising these rhythms was exercising that same idea and there's a freedom without an audience You know, you don't want to be indulgent, but you can also step outside yourself. But yeah, it's a magic thing. That's why Spade and I's podcast is popular. It's a reality show. The people will laugh and will have a good time, but there's an emotional underpinning to that shared story of getting this incredible lucky break. You're with your friends, or I call them your bandmates. You're all getting a little money. You're getting a little famous, and you're all doing it together, and you're live in Rockefeller Center, way up in the sky, in the middle of the night and there's horses and dwarfs on the show and people are juggling and you're falling down and all kinds of shit going on and so it's something that's a it's a it's a a fever dream kind of in a way yeah but getting back to it is is very tough there's other ways to do it you know um i think i had a podcast a while back where i was doing long form riffs it was called fantastic it's still out there where i would just take Flight of fancies and go for 10 minutes because that's what I would do backstage. Kevin and I would do Hans and Franz for like an hour. Yeah, you're a loser. I'm a lo- we would just cock in that voice for an Until hour. Until you found good moments? Yeah, and then we'd have to repeat it on, but our best moments, we would just fall yeah. and giggling and You know, just by, you you know. The moment.
0: You can't, that moment. It's so nice. When
1: Kevin said, and if you don't think we're properly pumped up men, you know, the defensiveness of Hans and Franz, we could very (laughs) easily come to your house, stretch the flab of your back into the shape of a rope ladder so you could crawl down into the sewer because that's where losers live. (laughs) To me, it's poetry. It may be my favorite rhythms. And the guys who never lift anything, they're terribly wounded, terribly insecure. They have this stupid show and they're just trying to... Get back at imaginary enemies. They think the audience doesn't think they're macho. And I could very easily, you're lucky. Your buttocks are like marshmallows. You're lucky I don't have a campfire here. (laughs) Don't undo your belt. You might cause a -a flabber but tell your muscles are so flabby. i like to shape them into a bowl and put them under the put you under the Christmas tree. You know, it just gets into madness. So Kevin and I love that. I was sorta of would have been happy if that movie had come to fruition. A very funny movie. Conan O'Brien, Robert Smigel, me and Neilan wrote oh. it together. Hans and Franz, the girly Man Dilemma. Oh. So, but anyway, life's
0: good, you know. Life's good, man. You're staying creative. You get into uh you get in to have a family and be a real human in a family. That's awesome. Those are uh, important things. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. My
1: wife and I are just incredibly regular people doing yeah. doing regular things. There's there's an enviable thing when I see people who can really take joy in doing regular things. Just yeah, without being in their head, just going to a matinee, watching a movie. I'm I'm having popcorn. Man, this is great. I'm putting I'm putting some raisinets in the popcorn. Yeah. You are? Yeah. I'd say to Scott, "What are you going to get?" My brother Scott, movies here everything (laughs) and we were big into movies we liked the movie we'd see it five times
0: oh dude i remember going to pink cadillac it was it it was playing somewhere in my grandmother's town and i went over there what year was that i don't know damn i don't know saw it over and over again yeah oh i just remember eating so much fucking candy vomiting in the bathroom and going back and watching more
1: <laughs> we go to matinees but you would go at 12 and come out at
0: 5 oh yeah it's crazy you, coming out in the light it was yeah. so light again outside yeah.
1: yeah and you're in there watching Audie Murphy westerns back to back you might get a sucker and nurse that Or if you're a big hunk, you just suck on that. You had to last all that time. It was like you could bring a can of beans or 50 cents because if they were having a Salvation Army thing there, bring some soup and get in for a five-hour matinee. (laughs) Even though we're a generation apart, there's so many things we have in common. Things aren't that far off. It just, uh, you know, maybe we were the original hillbillies of of, uh, San Carlos, parents (laughs) from Montana, you know. Gristle and Dale Baked Goods and everyone loved to come to our house. Cock and
0: balls, babe.
1: I'm cock. I'm cock. I'm only cock. He's only boss. When you put us together, you got cock and boss.
0: Yeah. Alright, we should
1: mic drop it on
0: that. Yep, we'll do it there. Dana Carvey, thanks for your time, man. Thanks, Theo.
1: Loved it. Enjoyed it. Peace out.
2: Now I'm just floating on the breeze and I feel I'm falling like these leaves I must be on a stone Oh, but when I reach that ground I'll share this peace of mind I found I can feel it In my bones but it's gonna take
0: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Jonathan Kite And welcome to Kite Club A podcast where I'll be sharing thoughts on things like Current events, stand-up stories And seven ways to pleasure your partner the answer may shock you. Sometimes I'll interview my friends. Sometimes I won't. And as always, I'll be joined by the voices in my head. You have three new voice messages. A lot of people are talking about Kite Club. I've been talking about Kite Club for so long. Longer than anybody else. So great. Aye, Is Easy deal. Anyone who doesn't listen to Kite Club is a dodgy bloody wanker. Do I mean? Hi, I'll take a quarter pounder with cheese and a McFlurry. Sorry,
2: sir, but our ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> oh, no. I think Tom Hanks just butt dialed me. Anyway, first rule of Kite Club is, tell everyone about Kite Club. Second rule of Kite Club is, tell everyone about Kite Club.
0: Third rule, like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or watch us on YouTube, yeah? And yes, don't worry, my Brad Pitt impression will get better.